podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. As you know, it is the world's greatest Star Trek podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And if Matt would just get his shit together, things would be smoother. And I'm investigating the possibility of returning to Earth for civilian service. Mm-hmm. Me too. Someday. That sounds like an interesting episode. That was the pilot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was interesting. You liked it. It actually wasn't as interesting as one might think. <laughs> but enough to get me on board this time around. Sure. <laughs> I'm like I'm trying to figure out how to... Oh, God. This is a disaster. I'm trying to tighten this, but also not make it make noise. Okay. There we go. I think that's good. Um. Okay. Look. Here we go. A couple things. First off, I... Ate food very quickly right before we recorded, so that's going to be a problem. We'll see. You think it's going to make in. you hit a wall halfway through? I don't know. I ate it so fast. I I just don't feel great. Yeah, it was a chicken Caesar wrap and a side of macaroni and cheese. So fried chicken Caesar? No, it was regular chicken. Fried chicken Caesar. Might as well just have a fucking Chick-fil-A if I'm doing that. <laughs> Look, I've made that deal with the devil many a time. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's healthier than, you know, the, the fucking waffle with ice cream that I would be having otherwise. Only because there's lettuce. Um, so that, yeah, okay. That is, that's happening. Other thing is I made a rundown of our show. Ooh. And it's going to be interesting to see what I've forgotten. And when uh, I made the rundown, I was like, I'm our show fascinated. is more complicated than it should be. What is happening? Wow. This is a whole new Matt. Uh, anyway, that said, now, according to my personal handwritten rundown, uh-huh. here's what we got to do first. Okay. Andy, would you have them watch this episode? Nah. Oh, okay. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? If you're bored, sure, why not? <laughs> Which is, I mean, it's kind of like Andy's answer, really. I love that... You're assuming no one's bored. I wonder how like, many, if you, if you did bored. a supercut of all of your things, how many were basically just like... I don't know if you got nothing else to do. <laughs> sort of such a non. Well, because there are. Be, well, there's episodes where I'm like, this is a great episode. You absolutely got to watch it. And uh, ones where I'm like, this is a fucking waste of your time. Uh huh. Right. Right. So there are the ones that fall in the middle. And those the middle ones are sort of the ones where it's like, I would say this is, if I had to guess right now. Yeah. Without having thought about it really. Yeah. This is probably in the, in the four to five range as far as the amount of Andes I will give it. Uh-huh. So it's kind of that sort of no man's land, you right? Know? 
we'll say it's four to six. You know, it's right in that sort of. It's right in that. How much do you value your time? Right. Yes. I, I mean, I, I think where I'm going to feel bad about this is. Um, is I think that I'm going to probably make an argument later on that it's it's effective thematically. Of course it is. It's just it's just not that much fun. <laughs> is, that, is that the theme you want to be affected by, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, I should be. I should be. Well, yes, it's very I've got seamless. some great news for you, Andy. Okay. we got to go to the Admirals Club. Oh, According right. to my rundown. Right. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admirals Club. Matt, mm-hmm. how, do they, how do they get into the Admirals Club? Well, it's very simple. Head over to Deck 8. You want to go left at Corridor C. It's really detailed. Continue walking until you see the large plant next to the Elkars panel. Mm-hmm. At that plant, you want to take a right. Okay. You take that right, and while you're on your way, you keep walking down the hallway, but while you're going there, you write a five-star review of this podcast and post it wherever you think someone might see it. Then you won't even know because it's unmarked, but once you've done that, uh-huh. the Admiral's Club door will open for you. I mean... I can't tell you exactly where it is because it's a secret, but... You can get more detailed explanation. That's where you'll find it. That's where you'll find it. That's where you'll find it. And you want to participate with the other admirals. That's where, that's mm-hmm. where you can leave your review. Or you can leave your review anywhere. Um, you can leave it on iTunes. Get five stars. You can uh, you can put it on a on a. Or if you want to backtrack through the president circle, you can do that too. You can backtrack. There's another. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a special door. way of going. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different yeah. ways you can get there. You can uh, leave positive uh, affirmation about us anywhere, and uh, not even positive. Just give us five stars, and um, yeah, and then be as negative as you want, and then uh, and then just send it in. Send in a screenshot. Uh, here are some examples. Uh, Lord Scooby Doom, who's really been exploring the outside, uh, who's a who's a, a fellow podcaster. I've been on his podcast. Check it out. Um, what is it called? Uh, Doom and Fitz. <laughs> so there we go. Sorry, I was just like you plugged the podcast. I'm like, well, what's what podcast would I be trying I to find? Really look it up. I go, what's that? Let me see if I can find. It. I did not. I did not. He, mean is, to put you on he will. Spot. He will say not. this is this is exactly the kind of traits the Nerd Blitz podcast. There you go with Doom and Fitz. There you go. Um, and uh, I often joke that Fitz is my favorite part of the Doom Blitz fi- podcast, uh, even though I've never met him. And uh, and uh, Lord Doom says, "Here's his review, which he left cleverly on Blue Sky." That Andy guy is kind of meh, but but Matt is where it's at. Uh, also, this is the first uh, five asterisks. Uh, review for them on Blue Sky, so Andy is going to have to read this. <laughs> um, Brilliant maneuvering. The only question I have is, uh, what is he? Uh, what is he obscuring with those five asterisks? <laughs> I mean, your classic uh, four-letter words don't fit into that. So, what is he saying that we can't see? I mean could be like you know variations of like how you would say it you right know, really uh you want to go long with it you want to go you know 
hard on the K, go for that. You could put a couple Ks in there at the end. Right. Um, or maybe an exclamation point. Could be. He could be blocking multiple explanation. It could. Be, it could actually just be high with three exclamation points. Yeah. Great review. Maybe that fits. Here's another one that was on uh, the classic way of getting in, which is uh, five stars on the Apple uh, Podcast app. Um, I am great from Mall One Zero Two Three. Technically, I'm amazing. Have I read this one before? I'm tall. I haven't heard it. Okay. Have sired offspring, and I am married to an incredible woman. Adored by friends and feared by foes, strangers are awed by my presence when I pass by. Of all the podcasts I listen to, this self-professed best Star Trek podcast in existence (laughs) certainly is one. You don't need to know the details of content or format. Instead, simply understand that my recommendation carries the weight of 10,000 bars of gold-pressed latinum. Um. Yeah, I'd say that's probably not getting into the nitty-gritty of what exactly our podcast is, is the best way to recommend us. <laughs> sure. I think uh, as, long as, as long as your reviews are uh, from the heart, really. Yeah, that's true. Uh, or even not from the heart. Music Thriller 99 um, sends in this... Uh, review uh, five stars uh, MST 3000 of Star Trek hello Andy and Matt as I write this I'm about to start I believe your 73rd episode of talking about Star Trek the next generation season 3 episode 26 I'm an over the road driver both entertainer bus celeb type bus tour bus and a truck driver who drives roughly 500 miles a day holy crap uh, yes, I spend a lot of a lot of it binging this podcast. Absolutely love your podcast. You guys are funny, very entertaining, and just two laid back guys having fun. I don't know if that last part is true, but I appreciate that. We're uh, so laid back. <laughs> this, I think that's the, the defining thing we would anyone mm. would say about us. We're laid Couldn't back. be more laid back, really. <laughs> I don't believe podcasts have to be perfect productions, especially when it's just Thank two you. guys enjoying each other's company, talking about their thoughts on TV episodes. I do have to point out that the way you guys make comments while playing show clips reminds me of Mystery Science Theater 3000. It is comical to me. Keep up the great work. Side note, as of the date of this review, I saw that Goldbergs are ending. Thanks for all the laughs in that series. My family likes that show. You're welcome for three quarters of those laughs. I wasn't there the whole time. Me neither. Actually, I was there the whole time, but I, I don't take responsibility for all the things that are on that show. I mean, you were in the building the whole time. I was there. Yes, I was You present. just sort of like decided to go hang out at that spinoff everyone loved. Yes. Schooled. Stranger Things. Schooled. Uh, yes, Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> I, should, I should be just goosing up my uh, my, yeah. my, uh, my credits. Fuck, trying... It's like you can call and check on that now. Everyone's on strike. No, no one's picking up the phone. Yes, I left Goldberg's to direct episodes of Stranger Things. Nobody's going to look into that. Just know that it's true and hire me yeah. on that basis. <laughs> so if you want some genre fun, hire Andrew Secunda when the when when everyone's back to work cool so is that the admiral club for right now no okay uh cinedam says still trying to catch up to current uh i found the show about six months ago and it's been a journey when in real when uh i realized a few episodes ago that i like the show i checked to make sure they were still going they are 
into DS9. Now I look at the dates and realize I got to watch their full descent of living through the pandemic. It's fascinating to hear them talking about a pre-COVID world with no cares at all, not knowing what was coming. Anyway, on to Trek stuff. I love both of your takes on TNG. Matt does drive me insane with his constant careless spoilers he throws out there. <laughs> um, I'm literally road raging over it as I'm driving What's, sometimes. What screen name did you use to write this, Andy? <laughs> Uh, Cinedam, which is <laughs> interesting. Okay. Sin Andy Dam. <laughs> um, um, but then you guys screwed it all up anyway by allowing Andy to watch random episodes uh, to prepare for Picard. Disappointing, but it's still a great show, and I'm still chugging along in season six now. Uh, hopefully, one day I'll catch up and maybe hear this review. Things I hated, the early Britney spamming, things I loved, pretty much everything else. <laughs> Um, taking us back to a time before. Yeah, were we happy then? No, no. Enjoy our slow descent. We were employed at least, so that was that. We were employed. We were probably no. unhappy about about working, but that's beside the point. Lastly, from Lord Twan, uh, the best of podcast, the blurst of podcasts. Been a listener since day one, but somehow couldn't be bothered to review, and now I am. This podcast is many things. It's clever. It's a mess. It's rambling. It's incoherent. It's insightful. And it's passionate. In short, it's perfect. Listen and enjoy Andy's abundant enthusiasm and Matt's curmudgeonliness. Marvel at all the deep Hollywood writer insider knowledge. Thrill as you scream into the void impotently whenever Matt and Andy misquote or misremember some small fact about the show or in many cases their very own podcast. Listen away, my friends, for in the realm of Star Trek podcasts, you will find no better. And bizarrely, somehow, also, no worse. <laughs> um, thank you very much. That is I mean, it. look, there's plenty of worse podcasts out there. For the Admirals Club, I should have said, well, go, we'll move on to the next thing. But uh, And that was the Admirals Club. Ah, uh, yes, it's the President's Circle. Would you like to Would you like to swing on in and support the podcast? You can do so. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Become a patron and get yourself a buttload more audio content. Andy and so I do much. many podcasts a month over there. Uh, six? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, Two extra. Extra. Can you yeah. believe this? And then, you know, your back catalog is available to you. So once you get in there, you know, and you're like, well, what's, what's, what else can I let's do? There's, uh, God, what are we at? Three and a half seasons of Voyager sitting there. Yeah. There's two and some change seasons of Enterprise sitting there. Yeah. There's the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe up until Black Widow sitting there. Yeah. And uh, each of those podcasts come in at well over two hours. <laughs> yeah, that seems reasonable. Some are over three. It's a mess. There have been times where I was like, I don't think a file this big will go on Patreon, but it did. So support our show. Get more of the show. Be cool like that. And uh, 
Thanks. Now, Matt, I'm going to bypass uh, oh the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor for a moment. Nobody won this week. Ha, suckers. No, well, I mean, uh, there because the problem was all of them deserve it. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, no. Uh, I was going to give it out uh, to Nathan Haney, but I realized that I forgot to tell Matt. I uh, got a bunch of stuff in the... Uh, Oh, you sure did. And today's sound, so I'm going to go that's on. on me. I should look at. I should look at that every day, anyway. I should. I, that should be on me. That's not you on know, you. This is the kind of non-blaming stance that Matt only takes on air. Um, um, but uh, whatever the case, uh, I'm going to go on to Tess's priority one message. You act like we talk off air. <laughs> well, we text. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we really don't talk. You're seeing. Talk about authentic. This is the only time we talk to each other. Um, Lieutenant Tess, who has a lot of uh, things to say because we had some. Uh, Tess is usually. I, I would say Tess is a little bit of our uh, guiding light politically. Uh, not always, but most of the time. But anyway, this this part is not. Yeah, if you're a fucking crybaby left leaning <laughs> liberal. Ding dong. <laughs> Got him. Matt, Matt's, a, Matt's a, a right-wing pundit if you're new to the Oh, show. my God. <laughs> I love all the things that are happening in the right. No, I don't. I'm sorry. I can't even. Not even as a bit. I can't do it. <laughs> Lieutenant Tess says, uh, this, is, this is ironically, I don't know why I teed it up that way, but she, comes, she appears later. Uh, one thing I really like about DS9, because this is not political. One thing I really like about DS9 is the relationship between the Cisco's. Even when the lines are dumb, Avery Brooks and Chirac Lofton, is that how you say his name? I've always pronounced it Cirac, Cirac or Cirac. I've never had an SH sound on there. Abergenois? Uh, Cirac Lofton uh, build something authentic and positive and beautiful. I know the guy said this too, but it really is a lovely part of DS9. Uh... What if we gave it a 10, uh, smiley, open mouth, happy face? I give this TNC, TNC a 10. Uh, well done, guys. Um, I came away agreeing equally with both Matt's three and Andy's love of love uh, and thoroughly enjoyed listening while I stuck endless labels on all the duotangs in preparation for the start of the school year. Am I pronouncing duotangs correctly? I don't know. Send it into Andy's pronunciation corner if I didn't. Uh, I don't have that segment written down. When would that take place? When is Andy's pronunciation corner? I don't think it has a I've place I've got to fit it in. So okay. if you want to slot it. Also, by the way, uh, I, due to my lateness on the Tapol rankings, uh, we don't have a Tapol this week. Mm. Um so you would just decide for yourself where you want to put the Tapol, and you can put it on that list. I definitely um, didn't put it on the list because I was like, where did we decide to put it? I don't remember. At some points you said, logically, it should come at the top because then that's in response to where we right. last left them. But then but I'm then, like, well, when we get to the hail bag, we're already we're talking about that thing. Exactly. So you know, whatever so you want to do is fine. There's no good answer. Sometimes I'll have a strong opinion. This I have no opinion. Um, maybe I should run it to Tapol. That's what he says on the air, guys. That's true. <laughs> Off air, I'm the monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Tabasco says, super flimsy episode. Felt like a filler episode. No justification for Cisco and Ghost Girl to fall in love in the space of four minutes of screen time. Excuse How- me. I'm sorry. Okay. We are in the priority one messages and I didn't play the jingle? I know. I skipped it. 
because we got to go. I don't believe it. I wrote I wrote everything down. This I week. know. Well, this is an episode where I screwed it up by not telling Ugh. you to go look in today's sounds, and or by but your own I'm, admission, you screwed I'm it there. up by not. I'm there. I have all of them. What do okay. You well, then let's. What do you play? Want? I Let's, can play whatever. Nathan Haney said somebody in, Satri- in Patreon comments suggested a trill talking jingle. Here's my attempt. <laughs> it's trill talking. This is for, I assume, every time Andy says something regarding. I go, but what, how I don't the understand trill the trills. Let's yeah. talk about the trills. So this would be that jingle. Here we go. Andy wants to know how symbiotes work. How do they work? What's the quirks? How many quirks? Can you be joined with a jerk and lose your mind and go berserk? We're talking trill, talking trill, talking trill, talking trill, talking, talking trills. Talking trills now. <laughs> it's really, it's really masterful. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, really fantastic work, work, Lieutenant Commander Haney. Um... Okay, now we're in the priority one messages. If you want to play that, that test one was from the priority one messages. Or did she just get herself a a a, a president circle? Uh, sorry, a, a medal of valor. Just just through a loophole. Who knows? Captain, incoming message. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. All right, priority one messages. You guys in the Patreon have first dibs on the hails. What's going on, Andy? Super flimsy episode. Felt like a filler episode. This is from Nick Nack Tabasco. No justification for Cisco and Ghost Girl to fall in love in the space of four minutes of screen time. How ridiculous. The douchey scientist characterization and acting was good. Guy looked like he was having fun chewing on the roll. But the sci-fi aspect we've seen many times feels tacked on here. Can't give it more than two five. <laughs> All right. Uh, LPTR. Uh, oh, so there was a lot of fails. I don't know. As, as per usual. My memory has erased the reason we started talking about my middle name. But um, uh, I said, eh, send in your guesses, I think. And yeah, okay. uh, he- here are some. LPTR suggests uh, Andrew Mandrew Secunda, Andrew <laughs> Flavius Secunda, Andrew Leslie Secunda. Andrew Leslie. That would sort of fit. That would sort of fit that era of being born and... In the 1950s, is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> no, no, no. It's a holdover. It's like a, it's like a holdover, a holdover that like lasted. You know, it's like your parents were like. I'd prefer something like Sam or um, Jack, Diane. <laughs> In keeping with your with your theme, Matt, of giving me a feminine middle name, Dan Man Mountain suggested Andrew Ellen Secunda. Mm. Um. And then Nick C. suggested, I figured it out, Andrew Noonien Secunda. He was just embarrassed people would find out he's a Noonien and treat him differently. <laughs> I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. One that day. one to me is, it's, it's of all the joke ones, I was like, that really feels right. Andrew mm-hmm. Noonien Secunda. Uh, and then Tess threw out a bunch. Um, Cisco? Oh, this is, this is because I spelled Cisco wrong <laughs> oh, then I got a lot of hells about it Cisco with an S Cisco with a C Cisco with a C at the end nothing looks right now um, I eventually corrected it uh, Tess said I've taught boys and girls with these names Blake Jordan Sean Charlie Avery Taylor Morgan Riley Tyler Devin Finley Jesse slash Jesse with an I Parker any of those your middle name Andy or is it Michael question mark with a winky face emoji 
And at first I was like, nope, you, you got all of them wrong. And then I was like, oh, wait, I'm wrong. <laughs> My middle name, <laughs> for the record, is Morgan. You for, Morgan's a great middle name. I appreciate that. I don't know. Was I saying it was a bad middle name? I don't think that I, was you my just, You were so cagey about it. I was like... I think I, mean, I was just cagey it. because you got, you got aggressive, you got, weirdly. You got the greatest video game character of all time, Arthur Morgan. You've got the greatest voice guy ever, Morgan Freeman. These are, these are I mean, good these are, this, is a good, this is a good name. I don't know that my point was it was a bad name. I think you were just coming at me for reasons. I'd be proud of me. the name. I wasn't coming at you. You had just asked about my middle name, and I said it was Paul, and I said, what's yours? And then you got cagey about it, and I was like, all right. And then everyone guessed. Well, I don't remember what my issue was. Maybe I was afraid you guys were going <laughs> to steal my information, but Morgan is online, so I guess you can do whatever you want to do. If anyone wants to steal his information, it's online. <laughs> but I'm not, I have mind. my social security right out there. <laughs> it's all there. Uh, but uh, in keeping with... Uh, the um, the uh, topic of Matt's middle name. Uh, re- well, first of all, I would say that your mother reached out to me mm-hmm. to um, say that that is that she named you Paul because her middle name is Paula. Mm. I often forget that. I don't know if that was. I don't that. forget that her middle name is Paula, yeah. but I forget that the reason she gave me the Paul was because she was Paula, which is kind of funny. But we have the same initials. It's great. And then Red Maloney says, Matthew Paul is such a Catholic name combo. Growing mm-hmm. up Catholic in Philly, there were so many goddamn Michaels, Matthews, Johns, Jameses, and Kevins that half the kids in my school had hyphenated first names. Sorry, that was a clip of Henry at tennis. And on the other side of things, there are like seven Marys in my family. Um, Matt Walsh, also Matthew Paul. Oh, is he? Interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Or would I have any reason to know that other than I know him? Just um, be like, don't you like, isn't that like a thing you do when you like meet people with your middle name? Yeah, I guess eventually we would have had that conversation. But you know what? It's me. We probably had had that conversation like a thousand <laughs> times. <laughs> Lieutenant Dashnell uh, says in regards to the uh, lady playing the ghost in the last episode, Sally Richardson is black famous, which means most people haven't heard of her, but she's a household name in black circles. See also Leon, Nia Long, Regina Hall, Gerald Levert, Hill Hang Harper, on. Frankie All Beverly, right. Tina Marie, and 60% of the cast of The Wire. The first five names you threw out are, are I think, famous beyond black famous. Who's Gerald Levert? That's the first one I didn't. Know. All right, my first four names. <laughs> okay, so first three. Do you want me to? Uh, do you want me to go one by one? Go ahead. With Neil Long, I heard Regina was Regina King in there. Who's Leon? Leon. It just says Leon. I don't know if that's a that's like a Madonna thing. Leon from from Curb Your Enthusiasm. No. Are you talking about his 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 roommate? That's yeah. uh, a JB Smooth. Yeah, is his Does real name Leon? Just by his curb, everyone just calls him by his curb name. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if that's the truth, I don't know if that counts as blackface. <laughs> I doubt. That or is it? Or is it just Leon? Is it just Leon? Like Ooh. literally, his first first. It's just Leon. 
is what he goes by. And he's uh, been in, God, everything. Above the Rim, The Temptations, Cool Runnings, The Heartbeats, Cliffhanger. I'm going to say this guy is 100%. Then you see Dougie Doug down here. Yeah. Raleigh D. Lewis. This feels like this guy is 100% who who they're talking about. This guy's black famous. I want to be the white guy that's black famous. Who is that? I mean, I think that uh, to a certain degree... It's Michael Rappaport. is Is he in enough products that would... There's definitely people like that. Um, I was wondering if, if uh, um, Wendy McClendon Covey is a little black famous because she's What's been it? in a lot of projects and she, she that are well whoever is out that there speaking oeuvre. for the black community let us know who's famous yeah let us know who's white black famous is that what it be <laughs> <laughs> and yeah Matt and I could use being black famous if there's any way we can I feel like we're already appropriating. I feel like that's like we want to steal fame and be white famous in black circles. It seems like that's bad mojo. Nonetheless, I'll take any work at all. Um, 60% of the cast of The Wire are white famous in my head, I'm sure. I fucking love that show. Tune into my uh, Wire podcast. Um, I don't have one. Down to the Wire with Andy Secunda. Down to the Wire. <laughs> Uh, behind the wire um, Casey Nielsen says uh, this is a quote from Sciatic <laughs> uh, the uh, the scientist in the last episode um, this is my wife Nadel Dazim <laughs> <laughs> um, Lieutenant Commander Molay Historical Archives Division says when Matt suggested the concept of multiplicity style projected personalities I wanted one of them to be an agrarian worker then she'd be the farmer in Nadell. The farmer in Nadell. <laughs> Good That's job. Very dumb. Thank you. Sante Mastriana says, regarding dated writing and Trek, sorry for the length again, I find myself confused exactly what people mean when they have issues with sexism, homophobia, ableism, etc. in pre-2005 Star Trek. There are definitely legitimate examples of shitty characterization and plot choices drawn from the values and biases of the time in which they were written, uh, example, 70% of Troy stuff. But there are times where it feels like people are objecting to the presence of bigotry in the world of the show itself, even if the purpose is supposed to be a critique or satire. For example, the Ferengi are sexist in the extreme, but that's not the show endorsing their behavior. It's making satirical points about sexism being directly tied to greed and even capitalism more broadly. However, it sometimes feels like people are critiquing the show as if we're meant to see merit in the Frankie's behavior. For the record, I'm aware there is at least one Frankie episode later on that does have issues tied to the writer's actual intentions, but I don't think that's the case with this most recent episode. I'm probably just misunderstanding people's points, but some of the discourse is very strange to me. Sometimes the criticisms feel too decontextualized from the time period in which the episodes were airing and Frankly, speaking here as a queer man, it still astonishes me how elegantly pre-2005 Trek addresses social issues and direct, uh, I think that's supposed to be indirectly, in contrast to what I feel to be the very blunt way it is often done in some more modern shows, both New Trek and otherwise. And then Tess um, responds. 
Songs that made the hit parade. Guys like us, we had it made. Those were the days. And to do when you were there. Dance for girls and men, woman. Mr. We could use a man like Herbert Hoover again. Didn't need no welfare state. Everybody pulled his weight. Man, this is like. <laughs> what? The theme song is. Uh, so, like. Everything was great back when we were young. <laughs> Just like. Uh, that is, that's what everybody of, thinks. Every generation thinks the same thing. Oh yeah, it's boomery. It's pre-boomery boomers. Um. Anyway, well, whatever. Speaking of the greatest Ferengi of all time, Archie Bunker. He kind of was. Yeah. Lieutenant Tess responds to the last hail. Uh, I can only speak to my feelings about the misogyny, but I connect it to Matt saying he, quote, tunes in to Star Trek to hear about people who are better than us, unquote. Mm. Star Trek is the type of sci-fi that has traditionally been used as allegory for the problems of the human race, political, environmental, societal, etc. I believe what Matt meant when he uh, was he liked Star Trek to be, quote, hopeful. So do I. When they made a DS9 a grittier Star Trek, it meant they weren't just telling stories about people who are better than us. Humans and Trek aliens are more complex than that, and that complexity could lead to great stories. So my problem with the Ferengi culture episodes, particularly when focused on how females are treated, is that the stories don't make me feel hopeful at all. I end up feeling frustrated, particularly when the misogyny is played for comedy and constantly filtered through a male lens, which comes from having only two female leads. And I don't feel good watching it in the same way. I don't feel good watching Seven of Nine or to Paul <laughs> having to do all of their scenes in those outfits. It makes me feel embarrassed and angry, and it's really hard to see past it. That's the lens I view Star Trek and life through, and I felt that way watching it when it aired because I was a young adult surrounded by strong women at work and at home. I had higher expectations for how women's stories should be told. Hollywood had all their wagons hitched so firmly to the patriarchy. I thought the caller likening the Ferengi to Saudi Arabians was a way of reckoning why the Federation puts up with the Ferengi and another good reason why we should be moving away from oil dependency. Um, And uh, I think this is actually in response to a later thing. So yeah, I kind of, there's a lot of, I have some more stuff in regards to this, but I think it's a complex issue which is try it why i tried to i'm trying to read different perspectives on it because on the one hand uh i think they both both of these hells have points i think it is you have to put it in the context of the time and i think trek is trying to address these issues so you can't like say oh well, they're presenting the frangie as as sexist when it's like yes obviously the point is that they're from a patriarchal uh, society where they're being sexist but within that then there are also nuances of in the time which i think tess is sort of addressing the the presentation is sexist beyond the sexism that they are putting their their finger on if that makes sense it's like that's I mean, why it's like it's important to have how the federation responds to their sexism and that's why it bothers me for instance that they're as tolerant as they are about uh, 
the alien mark. race this week that doesn't let men lead, right? That's what you're talking that, about. That's really what I'm getting to is it's offensive. Why would they be tolerant of these people? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will get men into it. Men are too it. emotional? This is ridiculous. <laughs> we'll get into it, but that's why why Bashir's response is so insane this week. But uh, but no, just, but to, just to tie I'm that off. I'm saying that as a point of like, this is them also going the other way. So it's like. That is, that's a good point, Matt. I think yeah. that's a valid point. Um, uh, but on the on the third, uh, going back again to, to flip flop as 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 I want to do. Uh, I think also like you could say that that Dax's response is kind of not evolved in that she's too tolerant of the Fringies. Uh, sexism and oppression of women or you could say that in some ways is she more evolved because she's judging them on their own basis and sort of like these are the positives about these this culture these are the negatives about this culture we all have problems in our culture in terms of oppression and and prejudice and she's sort of you know so it's like i don't know it's a complicated issue um all right i'm gonna try and solve it Untangle my own organizational issues here. Ensign Denise Carroll, the sentient baseball, says, I just switched my internet service when I had to choose a name for my new Wi-Fi network. Um, the first thing that popped into my mind was my Wi-Fi. <laughs> Y'all, I never even saw a Borat. Somehow this weird 15-year-old joke now lives rent-free in my head 24-7. <laughs> Looks like a melting smiley emoji, which I don't know that I've ever used. Um, I'm going to roll the dice and think that I didn't make a mistake and read this hail that I think is in reference to the thing I just read before. My Wi-Fi. My Wi-Fi. The jelly bean says uh, yes to all the stuff above in regards to, I think, Tess's hail. Uh, too long, didn't read. I'm a Gen X Star Trek nerd and I love all the shows despite their issues. Thank you Matt and Andy for helping me love Star Trek even more than I did before listening to the pod as well as all the jokes, jingles and inside TV baseball stuff. I'm 48 years old raised by a single mother who was extremely feminist but because she was a tween slash teenager when uh, original series first aired she had great fondness for it and introduced me to Trek at a young age. My first Star Trek show was TNG but I was in junior high when it first aired so I didn't really get get misogyny quite yet by the time ds9 voyager and enterprise aired i was in high school college or recently graduated had identified as a feminist separate from my upbringing and i cringed at the skin tight outfits and sometimes sexist writing while also really appreciating the diversity of cast and the strong female characters i was so happy when the captain on voyager was a woman and as a mixed race latina i loved that robert beltran played chakotay despite the fact that the actor should have been indigenous rather than of mexican descent and that Belana Torres was uh, a badass played by a Latina woman. I enjoyed Enterprise, but I remember it being a very male show and definitely had issues with characterizations of Sato and T'Pol. I really screwed myself on this T'Pol stuff. <laughs> um, I'm currently rewatching TNG for a third time, my first rewatch last year, and I started listening to the podcast 
Uh, so I'm doing a second TNG watch with the show and a first T- DS9 rewatch with the show. I love revisiting my old favorites, but I also appreciate that I can rewatch with a more critical eye for the things I missed the first time around. Sure, I am bothered by a lot of the things I missed as a younger fan, but I also still really love Star Trek. It's possible to do both things. Sure. Uh, Josh Buddy says, why do they need to go to Warp 9? When the star blows up, does it go to warp? That makes no sense, as the star is just conventional matter and it immediately bumped me. Good point, Josh mm. Buddy. You know, I don't think I've ever thought about that. Now you will. I am thinking about it. Are you thinking about anything else? Is there any possibility of something else you're thinking about? Well, right now I'm thinking of like when the Star explodes at the Armagosa Observatory in Star Trek Generations, and Picard's like, we got to get out of here. Warp 1, engage. When he could have just been like, go pretty fast. Let me follow this up. I'm sure there's some other reason. There's a Star Trek 2 spoiler if anybody wants to avoid. Um, When the device blows Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they go to warp, or are they already at auxiliary and they're waiting for... Yeah, I guess they're waiting for, for for it to be fixed. They're waiting for the warp to be fixed. So, okay, yeah. Okay. I think that I've answered my own question. They're not... They're not awesome. Um, Mike's on bike says, If Matt starts editing the podcast, I'm pulling my funding. <laughs> Don't worry. You have... No, <laughs> literally. Well, fun. here's an interesting turn of events. John E.L. Tenney says, I woke up this morning with nothing on my weekend quote to-do list, and since I was finished editing my own podcast, I decided to start editing this episode, as Matt and Andy discussed. Mm-hmm. Now, some of the ums are hard to edit around in the conversation, sure. believe it or not, can be troublesome due to starts and stops, but my takeaway so far is this. I'm currently what a at what is the 32 minute mark in the original podcast episode my edit is currently at 12 minutes <laughs> <laughs> that's right editing out only sidebar oh, conversations oh, 20 minutes have been removed I don't know if it'll ma- I'll make it to the that's end spectacular that is spectacular and then Tess in a very Tess heavy uh, hailbag says uh, I'm but I'm paying for sidebar conversations happy open face emoji I don't. I don't want the gluten free cookie. If he, if he finishes that edit, yeah, I would like to hear it, and I want to put it out. <laughs> See if anybody wants that. Would you cut the hells out of the 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 fat free? No, because they're related to Star Trek. How about this? For Just the cut part. the hells out that are non Star Trek related. They're almost always Star Trek related, but yeah, yeah. Anything that's not Star Trek related, get out of here. Um, I mean, I'm sure I have non Star Trek related hails in this. So I'll, when we get to them, we get to them. David Oni Rowell says, "I know it was mostly just a bit, but I'm selfishly apparently not, but I'm selfishly hoping no one ever volunteers to edit the pod, uh, even as an experiment <laughs> to indulge Matt's curiosity." <laughs> I'll tell you what a cut-down version would be like for me. Wildly inferior and unsettling, with a, with slick, star-studded professional podcasts popping up left and right these days. I, I keep on coming back to this magnificent specimen of disorder, bickering, and hesitation noises. Oh, hesitation noises, interestingly. So I guess that's like 
Hmm. Well, all right. Stuff like that. Uh, nothing else comes close. It was close. that. That was a hesitation. Noise. What did I do? Uh... <laughs> Nothing else comes close to the level of authenticity you two create with all your meandering sidebars and general shenanigans. Sure, edit it out when you space out during an action sequence, but a fully polished version of this podcast would be an Oreo without filling, a pizza without toppings, and the worst act of self-sabotage by a brand since New Coke. You're really dating yourself, Devonani. But, yeah, but then people are going to miss it so much that when we bring back the unedited version, we're going to go through the roof. So you guys demanded it. Classic TNC. With no work at it. Uh, but if you decide to indulge someone in tackling this endeavor, please give them a real slog of an assignment like schisms or transfigurations. Apparently we were we were more off base in those than usual. I was you know, last night I wanted to I was like looking for something to fall asleep, to listen like to listen to while falling asleep. Uh-huh. Uh because I was feeling like tired of my normal, you know, YouTube things, and I was like, oh, "I'll just put on Star Trek." And oh, wow. I was like, "Oh," and I was like looking and looking. Look at, look at how much this guy loves Star Trek. He's got to he's got to watch no... three episodes a week. He's, he's putting them on to sleep. I was at TNG. I put I wanted to find I wanted to put on TNG. Okay, so I went and I looked for a, a, a run of episodes that I wouldn't mind listening to, okay. like. The, even subconsciously yeah and i couldn't find i couldn't find more than three episodes of good tng in a row like meaning like for instance relics is my favorite episode pretty much okay and the episode right after relics is schisms which i hate uh-huh so if i want to fall asleep to relics uh-huh. i don't want to wake up to schisms you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to, like, hear that and then, like, oh, what is that? Uh? And then, like, you know, there's some good ones here and there. And then, like, suddenly in the middle of it is, like, a a, a, a bad Troy episode. Right. Where things are going bad and I don't want to hear that. And it, it, I was like, this is interesting. And I was like, why can't, why can't I create a playlist on Amazon Prime? of Star Trek episodes. Why can't I have Matt's Star Trek episode playlist? Like, the best Star Trek episodes to fall asleep to. And here's the playlist and let it go automatically. There's gotta be a way. I guess it would be on YouTube, though. They probably give you more more flexibility on YouTube. No. But that's not what this is about right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I consume agree my Star Trek right now through Prime Video. Yeah. And that's their brand. Like, that's, you know... That's Paramount Plus, or is it not Paramount Plus anymore? It's still Paramount. It is. Plus. Well, it is. Yeah. Um, you so know what? I just I don't know. whatever. I mean, here's the thing that I take away from that story. In addition to your point, mm-hmm. is uh, this is this is why you're a you're a self-flagellating person. You make your life harder in a million different ways. But what keeps Matt Myra going, and I think it goes along with his like trips to Vegas and ordering <laughs> himself a, a celebration cake when he wants one. Mm-hmm. Love one. You are curating your viewing list for if you wake up. <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy who has self care in him. <laughs> well, it's like you know, I just don't want to like. I just don't want to like. I wanted to watch. I was like, ooh, I want to put on. Um, 
I was like, oh, let me just drop back a couple seasons and see what I can do. And then I was like, oh, booby trap. Love that episode. Uh, that's the one where the Enterprise gets stuck uh, and uh, Jordy has to make the Leah Brahms holodeck character. And they have to figure out how to get the Enterprise out. Yeah. And that's a good one. And I'm like, oh, I could fall asleep to that one. And then the yeah. episode after that is The Enemy, which is LaForge gets trapped in an inhospitable planet hazardous to human life with a Romulan. Right. Remember that one? Yes. That one's fine, too. But then right after that, they, 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 they shove the price in there. Which one's the price? Where I'm like, uh, that, that is the, the planet Devanani the- Rall. And I don't want to wake up to Devanani Rall. No, you definitely do not. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I can't even. So like trying to find three in a, three episodes in a row that are like good to. <laughs> and here's where I was. So it was like the closest I could find was season uh, four. Okay. And it's it's Deja Q. Right. Which I, I, that, I've fallen asleep to that episode many times. It's very comforting to me. That's not the Robin Hood one, is it? No, Deja Q is when he becomes human. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. A Matter of Perspective, which is their sort of, uh, their Rashomon tale of Riker being accused of killing that man. Oh, yeah, that's not that great, right? Right, but it's okay. It's okay to fall asleep to. And then Yesterday's Enterprise, great episode. Sure. But then... I'm like, okay, so if I, I'm asleep for like two hours at that point. If I like, oh, if I shift around and I wake up, and then I have to wake up to um, the Offspring, right? I'll be sad. The Offspring makes me sad. Data's has to. Data's daughter doesn't make it. Is it? And then f- immediately following that, I got to deal with the fucking Klingon episode, Sins of the Father. Boo. Is it not a factor for you that if you're watching something like Yesterday's Enterprise, it engages your brain too much and you can't fall asleep? You know, for me, it's not about like when I'm when I when I put something on to sleep to. Uh-huh. It's not about how engage how engaged my brain is. It's more about like I've seen those episodes so many times that I can sort of disengage my brain in a way. Disengage. But like, it's just the ones that are like. Like I was like, ooh, I could put on like. Um, future imperfect that's fun uh-huh. and then and then final mission is the one after that and i'm like that's not fun and then the loss not fun that's when when troy can't uh doesn't have any powers and she goes nuts she doesn't have any uh, empathic ability uh and then data's day i'm like ooh, data's day that's a fun one i could fall asleep to data's day but then the one right after data's day is fucking the wounded Right. Where um, O'Brien's old captain takes the ship to go kill some Cardassians. I'm like, that's kind of a downer. <laughs> anyway. If anybody knows the best... I want... I want someone, someone give me the best seven episodes in a row of TNG. They have to be in a row. This is because it'll autoplay. Yeah. Did I miss anything? Is this like season seven? Are you including DS9 or just TNG? It has to be a, pl- a hit play and go to sleep. 
But I mean, is it TNG? Oh, I will include any Star Trek series. Any Star Trek series. Okay. If if anybody out there watching has a like run of seven episodes that they think I would like to fall asleep to, let me know, and I'll let you know if I could do it. This would be interesting. See you criteria. Here's some things to know. Don't like Klingon episodes. Don't want any real real bummers. Don't like scary stuff because I'm sleeping. Um. There you go. That's it. Scary. You mean like the horror-y? Sl- sl- yeah, like schisms. Yeah, got it. Which is where this whole conversation came from. Is when schisms was mentioned. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and this would be a perfect edit point. <laughs> See, this was about Star Trek, though. Oh, that <laughs> I feel confusing. like this was. That is it depends. I don't know. That's a good question. That's that should be in debate too. Um, Alexis Borsier says it might be honestly. The seven in a row might be like mm, the seven like seven episodes of fucking Strange New Worlds or something. I, I don't know. Although I wouldn't fall asleep to that. To no new track involved, please. To what? The sound? What's the issue? Not comforting? I haven't seen it enough to be able to shut my brain off. Right. That's kind of goes back to my yesterday's yeah. Enterprise question. Um Alexis Borsier says, uh, this was an interesting theory. So we all know by season four, Andy will be utterly inescapably in love with Jedzia Dex. Um, I'm not seeing it thus far. I I see what you're, I see, understand. She's a beautiful woman. I just, I'm waiting uh, for you to fall, fall in love with Bashir. Just like all of us. <laughs> I kind of, in some ways, I feel closer to that than I do. Jedzia feels... Like what I think they are trying to set her up as, which is I am liking her as a character more and more, or them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but uh, Dax feels like a bro, feels like a buddy in internally to me, like a reasonable buddy. She's the most reasonable person on the show. They're the most reasonable person on the show. Um, sure. So maybe that speaks to my own... Uh, problems in terms of who I'm looking for. <laughs> um, new Nurse Apple Chate Club, party of one. You know Nurse what? Apple. You just said Nurse Apple Chape Club, which is a- amazing that your brain went haywire in that very specific way. It's valid. It's because I don't, I have a feeling you're going to You think. couldn't do it. You couldn't, you couldn't bring yourself I, I, like I couldn't the, say the it. idea is so foreign to right. you how could how You're could like, anyone what this is new nurse chapel she's fantastic how could anyone uh, how could anyone cheat her <laughs> yeah <laughs> um anyway this crew member says i was surprised that it was not called i only read this because i it, it felt like they were saying we should have said something but i don't i feel like there's been different counterpoints on this i was surprised that it was not called out on the show that the caller offered some extremely offensive views i could call in and say truthfully that i'm black and afraid of going to the this was in regards to the saudi arabia Mm -hmm. call and afraid of going to the u.s because i'm scared of being shot or at least treated like less of a person than i am here at home i believe that Mm -hmm. this uh, this person is a is from the uk um maybe we are forced to trade with the u.s despite them having appalling issues with treating some groups of people uh, humanely do you see how that sounds i would also like to add that 100 years ago women weren't exactly thriving independently so maybe stop judging people against your country's timeline of freedoms 
likening the Ferengi to Saudi Arabians is offensive. The Ferengi are a race that is objectively awful and it is inappropriate to do so. Yes, there are civil rights there are civil rights breaches where you could make exaggerated comparisons, but you could do that with the Ferengi in any country. If there was a group of Saudi uh, national strangers, would you walk up to them and liken them to the Ferengi to their face? Of course not. Rule of thumb is that it is probably not a good comparison to make. It's not like likening them to uh, likening a country to Vulcans, Ferengi are literally, quote, the worst. Hey, hey, the worst. Hey, 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 I don't know why you hate the Ferengi so much, first of all. <laughs> Quark, Rom, uh, these, these, these are, these are, Nog. These are, Nog, especially Nog. These are like, these are our Ferengi, you know? These are, the Grand Nagus? We're, we're going to grow with them. And have a good time. Nog's, Nog's a great character. Nog, Nog's a great character. Like the development of Nog over the series, I think uh, we'll all enjoy. I look forward to it. Tess responds: Safety concerns for traveling to America are real. Just this week, Canada issued a public warning to members of the LGBTQ2S plus community. Uh, they may face discrimination if they travel to some places in the United States, like Florida, Texas, Tennessee. And, of course, we have our own ongoing – she's from Canada – ongoing struggles with racists and homophobes in Canada. Do you think the hopeful? this is in response to the last sale – do you think the hopefulness in the Star Trek falls on a spectrum? I thought the caller was likening how capitalism makes excuses for forging bonds with groups that don't subscribe to the same standards of rights since the very original comment – which had been made by me, was criticizing the writers for making Dax cute about turning a blind eye to the misogyny of the Ferengi culture, and I'd made the analogy that it wouldn't be cute in a real-world sense if she wasn't bothered by the way the Taliban denied basic human rights to the women in Afghanistan. I believe the caller was attempting to equate why the Federation would do business with the Ferengi, a culture where women have little autonomy, with the relationship the U.S. has to Saudi Arabia, where women have little autonomy. But I think the part of the analogy that may have been off-putting would be equating the Federation, the, quote, heroes in Star Trek, with America. Although I felt like the analogy worked because it was actually showing the Federation to be more capitalist, uh, in parentheses, profit-driven, and definitely less heroic when being equated to America, which had been someone else's previous question, why does the Federation do business with the Ferengi? I actually don't agree that Star Trek, particularly in DS9, is slash was labeling the Ferengi as quote the worst uh, Ferengi characters were a huge part of the cast and storylines in fact I think they were trying to create a more rounded view of what had been a very one note culture but they were not overly successful particularly around the storylines with Ferengi women due to being totally hamstrung by the misogynistic stance of the production staff which was the norm at the time I guess but is really still off-putting to me uh, but I also don't believe my interpretation of anything supersedes anyone else's interpretation. And as always, appreciate a good conversation. My hope is I haven't offended anyone along the way. If I have, I welcome the opportunity to re-examine my position and hopefully do better moving forward. Uh, Vulcan salute. Um, so there's more discussion. If you're in the Patreon, please check it out. Um, I'm sure there's discussion all over the internet <laughs> in regards to these issues uh i find it very interesting i find it all worthwhile um and uh there's good people on both sides <laughs> just let us always remember that there's good people on both sides um captain andy adams 
uh, and I asked him, are you an actual captain? Because I wanted to give him his credit. And he says, I'm just a captain for my ambulance service. Um, still valid captain, self-naming captain, in my opinion. Um, but I will only thank you for your service if Is you your save me. captaincy valued? Let's find out, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Should I run it to poll? <laughs> um, I'd like to echo Matt's issue with the USS Prometheus having a Lieutenant JG in command. The Prometheus is a Nebula-class starship, essentially a capital ship. It has weapons, sensors, facilities, the same mission profiles as a Galaxy-class starship. Oh, wow, Galaxy-class. I would not be. It would not be commanded by a junior officer. I get that they didn't want a captain to share the episode since he would be a superior officer to Commander Sisko, but the use of a Nebula class was ridiculous. Could have easily substituted in an Oberth or Miranda. Uh, like yeah, an old Miranda, just like uh, Cisco's old ship. That would have been fine. I would have been more on board with that. And that would have been more believable. The Prometheus didn't really have anything on those sh- uh, anything that those ships wouldn't have, especially when it comes to scientific capabilities that they needed for that mission. Hell, even a Danube-class runabout could have outrun a supernova, which moves slower than the speed of light. Think about Picard running from the supernova in generations after having waited to the last minute to leave. Helm, warp one, engage. Right? That's what happens in the thingamajiggy. The generations, that's what I was talking about. Matthew Conch says, I think I had mentally tagged this episode as the terraformed guy was getting all his energy and stuff from his wife, like a muse, or like one of the several TNG episodes where that happened, and the projection was some sort of remnant or shell of her support for him. But it seems like at its core, it's just a lousy marriage. Uh, it's about a lousy marriage and how, quote, great men make terrible husbands, though they don't really dig in. They just contrast with Cisco's parenting. I wonder what the outrageous O'Connor's married life was like do you remember that Socrates had a wife and kids and possibly slaves um I think your spin is fantastic Lieutenant Koch I think that's a genius idea that that's that this is a a, a, a literal manifestation of someone kind of subsuming their their own identity for the purposes of someone else and it coming out as a projection if that's what you're kind of getting at um, Nick Nack Tabasco says uh, isn't the hidden moral here that Fennec comes from a culture where you mate for life even if you marry a jerk off or nutball and that's just dumb that sounds an awful lot like a crap culture right there sure there are good people on both sides but that artifice is the real problem divorce the douche uh, Nick Nack also says it's nearly go ahead I was going to say DTD divorce the douche oh yeah uh, Nick Nack also says it's nearly impossible to deliver a realistic guffaw type laugh if your go-to line delivery style is Shakespearean slash classical. It will always come across as stagey and haughty. This is why Brooks always feels out of place in this cast. You need go no further than episodes one's beach cast cackle. He just takes me out of the show in nearly every scene. I know many, many people would disagree. Uh, I've already been one around, but I understand what you're saying about a Shakespearean delivery. That's me at the end there. I didn't do my <laughs> voice. I'm sorry. Yeah, Ananga Balloon know. says, I clean a local business at night, and whilst I work, Matt and Andy keep me company. In the most recent DS9 episode pod, I cried laughing when Andy started doing a Paul McCartney, quote, accent, and I had to stop mopping the floor. Thanks for all the laughs, boys. Um. I just read this because I really like to hear people's different 
listening experiences and jobs um god bless you lieutenant balloon um <laughs> lieutenant balloon <laughs> i didn't really poor job of manga balloon week. and you're calling lieutenant balloon um uh, that's his last name um <laughs> <laughs> Chris G says, I have an inside baseball question. Sirach Lofton as Jake is a main character, always in the opening titles, but this was the first episode of the last five, out of the last five. In fact, uh, his first episode out of, his, out of the last five. In fact, Memory Alpha says he was the only regular cast member in any Star Trek series to be absent for more episodes than he appeared. Was he still getting regular full season pay? Sweet gig. You want to feel that, Matt? <laughs> Who was it? Who didn't appear? Sirach Lofton. They were saying that he's in not oh. in most of the episodes, even though he's sort of listed as a main character. If he's listed in, the, he's, a, he's a series regular. If he's listed in the credits, so. But also, don't they have like whatever seven out of ten, or they have they have sort of sometimes people have contracts where they give or they pre decide, and usually they sometimes are like, oh, we made Look, a mistake, we need him. For I this think one. here's that. Well, that's a good question. And the only person who probably knows for sure is either uh, their line producer or Sirach himself. Yeah. Uh, Sirach, Sirach. You got me like so confused by his name now. Me too. Uh, but I could see a world where they're like, this is going to be a big in- integral part of the show. This mm-hmm. father-son relationship. Yeah. We want to lock down this actor. Yeah. We don't want to do the thing where we're changing actors. For kid role where we're just like you want we want to buy into this ro- this this relationship and we need it to be you know whatever and then they whatever they probably were like I would assume they locked him up for the whole thing if he did I, I bet it's but you're you're probably you know you're probably right though it probably was like a he's in 12 yeah kind of a deal where he would be in 12 episodes but be credited and all whatever the case you got to make that decision it's one of the broken things about television before the season begins and so you can lock and that that's not to up. say he can only be in 12 that's just he's guaranteed 12 and you have to usually make that as an intuitive decision about how many you're going to need that actor that character for and then you end up going like ah we didn't need him, so now we have to use him when we don't really need him, or we actually, he's popping, we need him for more, mm-hmm. or her. Mm-hmm. Um, Lieutenant Cam, Pike Metal alumni, forgot to change his bank details and his subs ran out, so he hopes he didn't miss anything. <laughs> oh, by the way, I want to see Matt react to this. Patreon rejected many of our patrons their subscriptions I'm listening and uh many uh lieutenant kale uh uh first and foremost thank you kale um had had reached out and said hey i'm having trouble tried to put them in touch with patreon tried to reach out and work it out myself the patreon people said oh well have them reach out to us directly he tried to work with them couldn't work it out and then finally patreon sent me a hail saying like hey you literally call it a hail that's funny that was just an email um saying like oh yeah we there was some problems and we rejected a lot of your people's subscriptions anyway we tried to work it out hopefully it'll work now i'm like what and i was like wrote back like this is unacceptable like you 
owe us the money we lost. B, you caused a fucking problem for our people, and your only job is to take the money and give I'm, them their content. I'm very confused. Basically, Patreon screwed up, and the only mission. But in was what like, way? They the the it was at people who tried to subscribe. It yeah. was Patreon who rejected it when they were trying to like do their monthly subscription on some of our patrons. That is bananas. And there's like no it's just like, oh yeah, sorry. Well Screw if you're hearing that. this now and you aren't getting your Patreon episodes, that's probably the reason. So Sign anyway, I'm saying up. that's we'll the reason right I'm saying here. is reach out to us and let us know if you're still having that problem because it's not acceptable. Um, Especially anyway. when it's literally our only source of income. <laughs> it's true. Uh, anyway, Lieutenant Cam, this is your actual hail. I'm sorry. I, I delayed it. Why is that junior lieutenant in command of the Prometheus? According to Memory Alpha, he was a lieutenant commander in the script, but they put the wrong pips on him. <laughs> It seems to happen a lot. I don't understand how. My theory is that he's a lieutenant commander. Uh, interesting, really smart, etc. He's a lieutenant commander and the ship's first officer, but one of his pips just fell off his collar. He didn't notice, and because he's such a douche, not to mention a dumbass, nobody on the crew told him. <laughs> didn't make sense, but I fixed it. And then Chris G adds, maybe it was Delta Shift on duty and the main bridge crew were on a break. First time the plot in quote in capitals happens when the main crew are off the bridge happy face emoji with the sweat rolling down i i like to think my story is the one that is accurate what was yours uh whoever the writing producer was on the set saw one take and then went up and took pips from him. <laughs> <laughs> this is the funniest version <laughs> you are now an under five <laughs> you have been demoted <laughs> Ben Plavin asks, does Asa have a course on specific laughing? We sure do, Ben. Um, it's our least expensive elective, if anybody is interested. <laughs> um, and essential. Andy the astrophysicist says, in another weird coincidence of the pod, uh, y'all just watched Second Sight and Mortal Coil, two episodes mm -hmm. involving proto-matter. In Mortal Coil, Neelix claims that proto-matter is the, quote, best source, uh, best energy source in the quadrant, unquote. And in Second Sight, Sciatech uses his shuttle's pod's worth of proto-matter to, quote, transform the star's carbon and oxygen into elemental hydrogen, unquote. That's a shockingly large amount of energy. If they did that to our sun, they'd basically be replacing all of the fusion energy that's been produced over the last five billion years. If we could focus all of that the power emitted by the sun onto the earth it would boil the oceans away in about six seconds now imagine having five to ten billion years worth of that energy what would you do with it is it worth reigniting a dead star with it i mean if you're running out of places to put people yeah and then captain andy adam like in this episode well they didn't run out they had a planet already for them but they just wanted to go to bejor spoiler alert uh, Captain Andy Adams says protomatter was also used in the Genesis device in Star Trek 2. And we all know how that turned out. <laughs> Carl Goodeidsight War Moore, sorry, says that's what I was gonna say, as well as apparently no reputable scientist would use protomatter according to Savic. That's true. Although that was a long time ago, so maybe 
think that's true system. yeah maybe there was some sort of stabilizing of proto matter that happened over the corresponding 80 years maybe it was some great Ferengi scientist that brought it to us could have been I mean the, he, he invented the sun shields yeah. so metaphasic shielding invented by Ferengi scientists <laughs> ooh it ties in Greg, the results are in. You are Mott the Barber more. Uh, says, okay, I fell asleep for just a tad, but where did this guy from go from full-on jovial and having a laugh to suicide by star? Horrible ep. Mm. Lieutenant Commander Paul Brisk says, people, I, wish I this- think people that jovial are always just a second away from driving into a star. <laughs> it seems self-serving, that perspective, Matt, but all right. <laughs> Lieutenant Commander Paul Brisk says, I wish this episode ended with the lady agreeing to stay on the station and date Cisco, but it is awful. Oh, sorry, but it's awful that when she agrees to date Cisco. She's messy, she hates baseball, she won't eat gumbo, doesn't bathe, just the worst relationship possible. Then the following episode, Cisco's trying to get out of the relationship. <laughs> I would love seeing... Cisco's dating life turning into Seinfeld episodes. Um, and lastly, for the priority one messages, Jeffy says, new this fall on Paramount Star Trek terraforming. Star Trek terraforming. <laughs> Delivered that wrong. There we go. It was new on really new this it. new this fall on Paramount. Star Trek terraforming. On UPN's terraforming week. Uh, that's it for the priority one messages I'm sorry I did a bad job editing oh I know Uh, let's go to jump right in Matt Captain we are being hailed can you would you uh, please play the voice hail from Kara C-A-R-A or Sarah mm. and Sirach Lofton did he, did he did he I wish he called us that'd be great good morning Matt and Andy um, this is Kara I'm calling from beautiful Concord New Hampshire Concord. and I'm listening to you on my way to work this morning and Matt went three? into his uh, New Yankee workshop um, tangent, and he said, you know, you're, you're going to hear from people that watch this every Sunday, and fuck yeah, I watched it every <laughs> Sunday with my dad, and it was awesome, and it's total TV comfort food for people from New England, so yeah, I just had to call and um, prove Matt right about that, but um, love you guys, absolutely one hundred percent the best Star Trek podcast in the universe, <laughs> in the multiverse, even. Ooh, the multiverse, um, all verses. Keep up the good work. Love you guys. Bye. Kara, thank you. You know, you, you just, you know, what dawned on me when you were saying that is this part would be edited Yankee, out. A new Yankee Workshop playlist yeah. and fall asleep to that. I honestly was thinking that before, and I was like, he must have some other persnickety reason that he doesn't. I could do fall that. asleep to some buzz sauce. <laughs> yeah. So that would be a, a hail, I guess, that would be edited out. Uh, and therefore, I will ask you, before I even play it, would you like another new Yankee Workshop hail, or shall I move past that to the next one? 
like, look, he, he, they called in. They used our phone number. <laughs> All right, then play the Ricky voice, Hill. Hey, this is uh, Ricky from Denver. Um, just a quick, uh, some quick updates from the last episode here. Um, for the new rank, the new Yankee workshop. Wow, the new Yankee. That's <laughs> a totally different show. Um, there is a those fast channels, those free ad supported channel things on Pluto TV and also Google TV and I'm sure anywhere else that you could get those free channels for this old house. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you ever just want to have it on streaming with some ads uh, and you don't want to use YouTube, just put that on. Um, I do it. I do it for that. And I'm, I'm pausing it and asking the following question. Are the ads as loud as the TV show or is it like jacked up ad sounds? Yeah, Because I mean, if it's jacked up ad sounds, I can't sleep to it. That's just standard now, right? Yeah. America's Test Kitchen, because they also have a channel there. Nice. Um, so that's always fun. Um, also, the cardiologist joke was fantastic. Uh, Andy had great delivery on that. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Matt, but his delivery was perfect uh, for Andy. I don't even know what we're talking about. Yeah, but and uh, I think it was, five stars it was and all that jazz. Uh, member of the Admiral Club, so... Uh, Hear you next week or two weeks next month. Whenever the next one comes out, <laughs> Bye, guys, take care, enjoy it, and uh, we will hear from you soon. Thanks, Ricky. You are hearing from us right now, and you're hearing from yourself. Technically, wow, that's pretty weird. I think it was an O'Brien joke uh, where he's he's uh, sort cardia, of Cardassians, cardio. You disputed yeah. my my rendition. Yeah, I didn't like it. Ricky's also wrong, but that's okay. He was right about the other things he said. He's from Denver. It seems mm-hmm. like there's an accent of some kind there, and I can't, not that I would ever be able to, to duplicate it, but uh, I wonder what it is. Um, okay, then uh, play the right response. Got a lot of voice sales this week. Hmm. Do I see that? I do see that right at the top. Okay. I love you, Benjamin. And I always will. Love you, dream woman. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, sorry, that was from Lieutenant Carvey. Lieutenant Carvey, a lot of fun. That's from uh, Lieutenant Commander uh, Kyle, and that was uh, hearing fan of Professor Lo Francisco and him saying nothing back made me create this. The only correct response when a mind created woman professes her love. <laughs> Should have set it up that way. If you would like to send us. A hail. Send it to sttncpod at gmail.com. Please put the title of the episode in the subject heading somewhere, or you can uh, send us a priority one message by joining the Patreon and just commenting on the episode. Um, you can tweet Matt at Matt Myra. You can also Instagram him there. You can Instagram me uh, or check out my Instagram. I've been saying that wrong for hundreds of episodes. At Andrew Secunda. Uh, you can tweet me at Secunda, our Instagram, our Twitter, our TikTok. And our YouTube account at Star Trek TNC. Lieutenant Commander Mullins is uh, posting new content every day from years a- ago <laughs> to get us up to date on the Instagram, um, probably on the YouTube too. So check it out. Um, send in stuff to at, sorry, not at, uh, send in stuff to sttncart at gmail.com if you have old stuff that we have forgotten and never posted. If you have new stuff, send it in to that uh, email address and it will be uh, posted. 
Um, and if you'd like to send us a voicemail, send it to 816-TREK-TNC. That is it for the hails. My deepest apologies. Mm, here we go. We crossed many doors to many places Your hands made us think of all your faces So plug TNC in your little board node Let's talk about this week's episode This week's episode is called Sanctuary <laughs> It's been so long, it, who knows? What? It's been so long since, uh, since uh, the well, beginning I mean, of this episode not. Who knows which one we're talking about That's very true Although we did get a lot of hell supporting the length. Well, you got your money's worth today. Well, I guess so. In that this one's free. So it's true. This is exactly what it's worth. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Zero Latinum bars. Zero point zero. <laughs> Uh, where is my memory alpha page? Thank you. This aired the 28th of November, 1993. What's going on at that point in time? the Meatloaf song is still in the U.S. and the U.K. The alternative song is Into Your Arm by the Lemonheads. So I leave Mm -hmm. it to Mm -hmm. DJ Matthew Paul Myra. Well, I mean, it's always going to be meatloaf over here, so we'll just hear a little bit of that. And I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Edit your hails. No, I won't do that. I would do anything for love, anything you can You know, it's funny, as I remember this uh, from the Wayne's World 2 special on MTV when they played this music video made fun of it. it was a good time that sounds like that would have been a great special i usually don't like those kinds of specials it was a great special because it was wayne's world they just did an episode of the show of wayne's world that's fantastic and here's a here's a deep cut for you to check out that i wonder if matt saw i think it was probably before his time um i was obsessed with the joe piscopo special which had eddie murphy in it to, uh-huh. a, to a large degree and as a child, at least, I thought was hilarious. So I don't know if that stands, if it stands up now. But uh, um, I'm sure you can see that somewhere. The number one movie was Mrs. Doubtfire. The number one. Hello. Hello. My wife. I combined them. Births that week, David Lambert from The Fosters. Deaths that week, actor Donna Michi. Wow. See, there are certain people that live, that like die recently, and I'm like, that guy was still alive? The fact that Don Amici died that long ago is shocking to me. Yeah. Uh, Frank Zappa, uh, events, um, the spatial endeavor launches to fix the Hubble telescope, Marvel Movie Studios is founded, Time Magazine cover, is Freud dead? Editorial note, yes, for 54 years at that point. <laughs> And then we have to check in on the rest of the Trek universe. Oh, I should have tested you and said, just so you could see the. Honest to God, I deliberately in my rundown was like, I don't actually know what we do in this one versus. Well, you what might we want to jot that the, down. What we, yeah. Elsewhere in Trek. Yeah. 
elsewhere in track. Oh, uh, Andy, was, what's happening? What's I, happening elsewhere? Usually there's another Picard quote, so you're doing one where it goes right into the music, which I love, but I didn't know. Uh, if you are a Stardate nerd, this week is a very special Elsewhere in Trek. On November 27th, TNG presented Parallels, oh, a great episode regardless, but more importantly for our purposes, both It and Sanctuary took place on Stardate Stardate. 47391.2. As far as I can tell, this is the only time that two different Trek series use the same star date for different stories. Huh. Yes, the Trek shows have revisited old episodes, as in Voyager's uh, flashback uh, and the alternate balance of terror on Strange New Worlds, plus a couple of episodes in Andy's future. Other close calls include Voyager's Non Sequitur, star date 49011, and DS9's Way of the Warrior, star date. Four nine zero one one dot four point four. What do they usually say? Point or dot point. Uh, and Voyager's Relativity star date five two eight six one point two seven four. DS and DS 9s The Dogs of War star date five two eight six one point three. However, only parallels and Sanctuary line up perfectly and across the multiverse to boot. Wow. Powerful star date. Anything else? That's it. All right. Uh, Sanctuary. Here's the uh, memory alpha log line description, whatever you'd like to call it. It's one sentence. A group of refugees come through the wormhole in search of Kentana, their fabled home world. It's a teleplay by Frederick Rappaport. Story by Gabe Esso and Kelly Miles. This is directed by Les Landau. And right off the bat, Kira's not doing her job right. You wanted to see me, Commander? Actually, what I'd like to see is next month's duty roster. You'll have it on your desk first thing in the morning. That's what you said yesterday. I know. I just spent the whole day yesterday... Talking to Minister Roseanne about irrigating the Trilar Peninsula. How did you know? It's hard to keep a secret in ops, especially when you've been shouting at a monitor for the last two days. Thought I kept it down to an angry whisper. Let's just say that your voice carries. Every time I talk to one of the ministers, I promise myself I'm not going to lose control. But then they give me some stupid bureaucratic excuse for why something isn't getting done, and I get so, so... Frustrated. Oh, Commander, I am way beyond frustrated. Bajor is in trouble. I just want to help. I can understand that, and I sympathize. As far as I'm concerned, you can shout at the provisional government all you want to, as long as it doesn't interfere with your duties here on the station. So, am I to understand that these other things she's doing are extracurricular for Bajor? They don't have to do with her job? Yeah. That's weird. Well, why is it weird? I don't know. I would think that there would be other people taking care of that crap. She's fighting for the people. Don't you understand? It seems like that should be rolled into the Federation's allowance for her. Like, No, the- it shouldn't be. Because she's got to do the duty roster. <laughs> 
such how a, are we gonna know who's supposed to be here for Delta Shift? You're such a protocol queen. Love protocol. <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever in the history of everything. <laughs> Anyway, it's a waste of William Charlotte. Now, I guess I should have done my research. I know him from a million things. Big uh, does he? Is he from? Is is he's been in Star Trek already a lot, right? A couple times, yeah. Yeah. I hear you've been trying to get in touch with me. You hear right. Look around you. Does anything seem to be amiss? Sonata Verani is playing his lovely. Your customers seem to be enjoying him. Why be modest, Major? They're not just enjoying him. They're mesmerized by him. So? So while they're being mesmerized, they're not gambling. They're not eating. They're barely drinking. Profits are down across the board. I wish he would just start yelling about grain and it was the same guy. What do you mean? He's the guy who runs the PlayStation K7. Oh, right. In Trouble with Tribbles. Right. Oh, wow. That is a long time ago. And then at the end, I never really understood. I guess he turns around and is smiling at Kirk at the very end. And is that just because Kirk found that the Klingon was responsible? Because it felt like, well, that doesn't solve your grain problem. The grain is still poisoned. I think he smiled because he knew he'd be back on Star Trek in Deep Space Nine. <laughs> is that what the subtext was? Yeah. Uh, so really, you have found the uh, the uh, known from something big. However, I have one that more suits uh, Matt's purposes, <laughs> which is uh, where he's stuck in my brain from his inner space. The ride. <laughs> Uh, movies. Have you spoken to Minister Bolka about my idea to rebuild the Jolanda Forum? I mentioned it to him. He's got a lot on his mind. Kira's really spread pretty thin by this. Seriously, now she's in this plot? This feels like this should have been somebody else. Give it to fucking Dax. My dream girl. Why would Dax be bothering with... I don't know. One of her fucking clarinet players. One of her prior fucking symbiotes, whatever. One of her prior hosts, like, was obsessed with this guy. Commander, sensors. Oh, anyway, we get uh, we get this 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 fun bit. Fun bit. I say, we get the um trope. It's not really a trope. They don't use it that often, but the universal translator is not working. Uh, yes, which I was, and I think it's a little bit unfair because we've seen a lot of universal translator ones in the episode enterprises we've watched and stuff like that. So I was kind of like, ugh, I don't want to see one of these. I honestly, I kind of liked that, that we saw this slow progression in a way we haven't in any of the other episodes, probably because this episode had already been done of watching the Universal Translator slowly figure out a more difficult language. It was kind of mm. interesting. Scria. Scria. Does anyone understand what she's saying? Something must be wrong with the Universal Translator. Chief, 
It's working, Commander. But for some reason, it's having a hard time analyzing their language patterns. Their syntax and their grammatical structure must be completely unlike anything in our database. We'll have to keep them talking until the computer can establish a translation matrix. Keto Miseka, Skria, Talak Mesefeka, Kusema, Gudo Bessel Venta, Venta. Over her right shoulder, Tumak, that's Andrew Koenig, the late, great Andrew Koenig, who was, of course, Walter Koenig's son. Oh. He was very good in this episode. The other guy, this guy, Nicholas Schaefer, who he plays very familiar. Cowell. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was like, did we just, was he just in a Star Trek we watched? But I guess not. He's not, he, you know who he looks like is the the trail that goes bonkers. Or was it, was it you were thinking of something else? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know what I was thinking of. I guess something big? <laughs> the movie Something Big? Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see if this does the Star Trek Day thing or not. Okay, good. Didn't need that preview playing again. Back it up, back it up. Here we go. I like when Cisco's like, hey, Odo, it's going to be like, Four people coming down that you can't talk to and can't talk to you. <laughs> Why don't you lead the way? All right. Um, we're going to take a little ride on the turbo lift. Toma. Besa. Cisco to Odo. Yes, Commander. We're bringing some new arrivals from the Gamma Quadrant down to the promenade. Meet us at Turbolift 9. I'm on my way. I started watching this episode on my phone, so I watched like the first 10 minutes on my phone while I was sitting at my at the, my dining room table and then realized that I was alone in my house and just turned on the giant 70-inch television. <laughs> but when I was first watching it, uh, their little uh, the the cloth uh, headdress thing the, the, that they were wearing. Yes. I thought it was like icky, gross makeup, and that's what their head skin was like. <laughs> Are you sure it's not? I thought it was. Remember that lettuce guy from uh, from from Enterprise? That's what I was thinking it was supposed to be—some orange version of that. Yeah, I think that's sort of what I thought it was. But then when I watched it on the big TV, I was like, "Oh, it's cloth." You just well, that definitely tips it a little bit because another question I had was is the, are there skin issues I thought at first were the radiation but then I thought as we saw more and more of them and they all seemed to have it I was like oh maybe that's just what they look like uh, he oh, was just at Enterprise that he Leland was, no, Orser was just in Enterprise he was Voyager he was the crazy hologram yes but we just watched him in Enterprise too Oh, we did. I guess we sort of recently watched that. Oh, which uh, one? Which one was he in Enterprise? This he is was so easily uh, here. I can look it up on. No, I'm already looking it up. You can't also look it up. All right. Well, let's just both join. No, no, no. You can't look it up too. All right. I'll wait for you to look it up. Wait a second. He's a Romulan. That seems later. We haven't gotten that to that does one seem yet. Later. Yeah, it's it is. You're yes, it is. It is. You're right. One hundred percent right. 
what I am thinking of him from is the Voyager episode. What do we find out? This guy's married to somebody great, wasn't he? Uh, she's married to someone big. Um, he was Downey. married to both, not only Roma Downey, but also Gene Triplehorn. That's right. It was the Gene Triplehorn was the one that stuck in my craw. And then he was married to Roma Downey. This guy. He must wait, a, wait a Wait a wait to just marry a who's who of 1985 to 1995. Jeez Louise. He must be a real charmer, this guy. I mean, he's obviously talented. Look at the way he speaks a different alien language in this episode. Uh, let me try. Come with me. Look at how flummoxed Odo looks. Uh, there's a lot of... This is the thing. At the beginning of this episode, I was like, this episode sucks. I'm out on this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is why I was kind of like, nah. Uh, and a lot of it is this. It's like, Cisco, when we've already established that Kira is overtaxing herself, throws the ball hard at her about dealing with this. In almost a way like he and two, I don't know if they're trying to say some profit thing, like, or what is his, what is his title to the Bajoran uh, emissary. Spirit Balls Emissary? Spirit Balls. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, the the balls of of blue glowing spirit, uh, orbs, whatever the hell, orbs, right? Spirit orbs. <laughs> um, anyway, is I don't know if it's something like that. Like he intuitively knows, but he's like, we've already the only thing we've established in this episode is that Kira has no time on her hands. Then he's she's, he's like, I think you should <laughs> you should take care of them, and then he calls Odo in. And then Kira's like, no, I'll, I'll take care of it. And Odo's kind of like, oh, I don't know how to handle it. And I'm just like, what is going on? Everybody's flitting around these people. Why is everybody acting so freaked out? Like, I understand that they're, like, sort of primitive and, and we have to, or at least they appear to be primitive at the beginning of the episode. And we have to sort of herd them and figure out what to do with them. But why is everybody acting so fucking like this is out of their depth? Uh, it, well, it's you know I think you're getting a little bit of that too from the the alien side because they're not they're not moving like biological organisms they're weirdly like like sort of robotic when they first yes like they are they are new to humanoid form yeah like they're new to like walking <laughs> right. and and the eyes are new to them right. Like they're, 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 it's a little off, but like I, I see what they're doing. I know what they're doing with regards to like the cultural differences being shown with the language, which is something that I uh, appreciate when they, whenever they do it. I think it was only really effectively done in Darmok, but that's beside the point. Now this I is pretty say- effective too. This is pretty effective too. The way they do it here. Now, I will say in retrospect, yeah, it's sort of like that's where I was going to land, is that, like, I don't like how it's all set up at the beginning. However, having that kind of clunky setup, then the slow progression to where they land at the end with these folks is is very effective. I think thematically they really do land it. It's just there's a lot of sort of sloppiness at the top that kind of was just like, ugh, I don't like this. And this scene I mean, is another one. You, you all see the scene. Oh, where they're, about guys. where they're in the store and they're poking around. Yeah, they're poking around. They keep picking things up and putting things down. It's like, what are you saying about these people? Are you saying that they're primitives? Or are you saying that they're aliens and don't know how humanoids interact? Like, Well, let's see what Bashir has to say about it. 
Kutana. Kutana Batu, Lakala Shim. Talk up, that's Lani Bola. What he's saying is, I'm married to Gino Triplehorn. No you can't talk horses. to me that way. What about Roma Downey? Looks like a second degree plan. Someday it'll be Roma Downey. No, it was her first. The oh, she was first? Take care of it. <gasps> oh, that is a sting. I'm sorry, I'm not the doctor. Kuro. Kuro Gusho. I assure you, I will not hurt him. He's gonna be alright. It's really taking that person. These will be your quarters while you're here at the station. These are the best sure accommodated quarters I've seen. Clean up. Seriously, you don't these are like Pike and Strange saying. New Worlds level plate level quarters. They're much smaller though. I know something. <laughs> except, except a quarter of the size. Yeah. <laughs> Seven Mesa stocks. He is super confident about those Mesa stocks. Look like churros. Well, this if is, that's what they were, wouldn't you be confident? That's true. People who don't understand. Seven churros, please. And then I hand them out. I'm going to be like revered. It's true. Friend of friends. King of king. People will love it. Maze of stocks. Made up word. Word we know. I'm sorry. I still don't understand. Ramasata. Ramasata. Ramasata, you idiot. Sulak need estasa. Wait, did you hear that? I think she said need. Go on, keep talking. Kuno, nolok batak ramaseta. My people, yekopa striya. Havu fotar, save them. Save them? How? Do you understand what I'm saying? Keep talking. I first thought when the famous uh, lady aboard was. Uh, Hey, uh, they beamed uh, Conan O'Brien aboard. And then I thought, uh, hey, they beamed Danny Elfman aboard. <laughs> oh, Danny Elfman, the patron saint of this podcast. Help. <laughs> there is no time, Solak. We are the Shkriya. My people need your help. There's no time to waste. Your people are the Shkriya. You need our help. There's no time to waste. <laughs> Do you think the little gremlins inside the Universal tra- Translator, the when they uh, when they finally got it, they were like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, and all gave each other high fives. They all high fived, and then they threw their headsets off and was like, this is why we do it, folks. <laughs> Side of the eye. The eye. The eye of the universe. The tunnel. I think she means the wormhole. It's obvious from they the nine the different they, they uh, analogies she used. You know, it looks like kind of like an eye, and then she said tunnel. We call it a wormhole, which is just <laughs> as silly. It's not an analogy. I'm sorry. Like, I hope I haven't offended anyone. Sorry to keep you waiting. It's all right. Oh, I skipped over the. Beepo to beepo. I'm just not used to the men being here. Screen men don't involve themselves in situations like this. Are all your leaders women? Yes. All of them? You heard her, Jillian. Men are far too emotional to be leaders. They're constantly fighting among themselves. It's their favorite thing to do. I'm sorry. I hope I haven't offended anyone. Sorry to keep you waiting. 
It's all right, Benjamin. Hanik was just telling us how the Skria are a female-dominant society. It seems the men are a bit too emotional to be leaders. Please, do not misunderstand. We love our men. Really? <laughs> just like the Ferengi. Are you so, one of the leaders of your people, Hanik? This, to me, is an example of what we were talking about in the lengthy hails. Of, like... The presentation of this culture being, you know, theoretically a flip on what our culture was both at the time and today in terms of it being it's a it's a matriarchal society um, is like I think that is the show being on the right side of it. I think where it's weird (laughs) is when Bashir is kind of, you know, brushing up against it and kind of like is shocked and like trying it's like trying to process it that's where it gets weird <laughs> just like what he it is that's not a, just a given in the federation <laughs> it's still weird to them i think it's you know it's it's just Bashir. i guess that's what's odd to me though like is are you saying Bashir is of his his politics are are that ancient? I mean, I guess that we've already seen them to be to a certain degree. No, no, he's just confused by different always. Yeah, whenever something's different, the most confused but I think person on the station is Bashir. It, to the point of our discussing, well, what's uh, anachronistic? What's not anachronistic? What's something that's worth discussing politically and what's not? To me, her having a matriarchal society and we're offsetting the patriarchal society that's more familiar to us uh, is a legitimate progressive trek and Bashir even though at the time they are speaking to the then no it's not what no it's not it's not legitimate progressive trek it's it's just as silly as the Ferengi thing that's not the intention at the time though is it I assume they just did the Ferengi thing but isn't the commentary supposed to be that it it highlights the that the, men say that women are too emotional to be leaders right from the patriarchal society that we all have grown up in so isn't that yes progressive but the but it's star trek i don't know what you mean i think we're in saying the same thing the, they're writing towards the future where neither this is what I'm saying. So yes. that's where the problem is in Bashir's reaction to me. And that's yeah. where it's like a flaw that is of the time that it was made, where they think they're just sort of kind of easing the, the audience that would have reacted that or more right. likely to yeah. react to that. Yes. But it's like now to our modern day eyes is like, that's weird that he would react that way as opposed to anybody reacting to her thing. Uh, no, I, I don't think. I mean, it's like weird to. It's weird. You can look at it through two lenses. Like you can, what you're saying is valid. That makes sense. But also, if you look at it the other way, where uh, any race that would prohibit another a, a, a gender of their species from anything should be looked upon like that. Like he should have the same reaction talking to a Ferengi. Essentially, is what I'm saying. Correct. Right. Yes. Yeah. So we're saying the same thing. But it is, I guess yeah. it's just sort of, to me, it is 
that is what you almost might call, we call it in, in the script, a remnant when it's like, oh, we don't need that anymore. And that feels like a remnant is his reaction of like, yeah, all your leaders are women. All of them? But I think he would uh, like flip it, right? I flip see. It, put, a, put a Ferengi in there. He'd say the same thing. Uh, Theoretically, well, if he's an enlightened Star Trek person. Right. He, he would What I'm saying is. But yes, he no, should. No, no, no. What I'm saying is he would because he lives in the 23rd century. He's in Starfleet. This is what he would say. I guess this is the debate. I feel like that character wouldn't from what I've seen I so feel far. like if you're in Starfleet, you would. I feel like that's what it should be. And that's what it is because that's the beauty of Star Trek. <laughs> um, very good. Me? Oh, no. I'm little more than a farmer. I was just lucky. How so? I was the first one to find the eye of the universe. You were looking for the wormhole. We had heard about a great tunnel being discovered. We knew it must be the eye of the universe that would lead us to Kentana. Kentana? Kentana is a legendary home of the Screens. It has always been portrayed in our sacred texts as being just beyond the eye of the universe. A planet of sorrow. The eye of the universe, the once again, is the wormhole. Of joy. I can't guarantee you'll find Kentana, but I can promise you that we'll help you find a home. One we sent our to Gamma to make contact with your ships. That will be difficult. They're all spread out, looking for the eye. And when we find them, what then? This station only holds 7,000 people. You're talking about 3 million Screens? I'm afraid most of your people will have to be confined to their ships. I understand. In the meantime, is there any one person we should be looking for? A leader or leaders? Most of our leaders were killed by the Tarogarans. The Tarogarans? Who are they? For eight centuries, my people have lived under their rule. We've been forced to work as laborers and servants. We were able to escape when the Tarogarans were invaded and conquered. Who conquered them? I do not know their name. I only know they were members of something called the Dominion. So this is interesting. What do you mean? We... Has that... That that name of it's the Dominion... It's the second mention. It's the second the mention. So far in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And what was it? Was the tinge on it positive or negative in the previous one? Or was it just there's something going on? It was also mm-hmm. negative. It was also, but this one, I don't know if this one is negative because it's these basic, she's basically saying they were oppressed and then they freed them. No, no, no. They managed to escape. And who oppressed your oppressors? Who's the worst group? Oh, seems vague here, but okay. Like, like you know more. It's not vague because of the music sting and the hard <laughs> pause. I only know they were members of something called the Dominion. See, it's very confusing. It's a, sort of a positive music. It is weird. Huh? It was a very flutey <laughs> flute. <laughs> uh, one last thing before we're out of that scene, I found the quote that I was looking for. She goes, uh, men are far too emotional to be leaders. They're constantly fighting amongst themselves. It's their favorite thing to do. <laughs> and I like that they came up with a logical reason why, of course, women would have to run everything. <laughs> Because, of course, men would do that. And that's a reason why, of course, they shouldn't be in control. Um, 
uh, that was kind of funny. I liked it. Back to bed. Go on. Go on. I'll join you again after I'm through. <laughs> now that's the young one is not her husband. The young one is just a kid. No, no, those are two older guys. And those are two older those guys. Are, those are her husbands. Those are her ma- Her What did she call them? <laughs> I don't know, mates? Partner? Are those your husbands? Husbands? I- I'm not familiar with that word. They're we go to the to bone me. zone. They're bonded to me, yes. That's where they, that's, yeah. Um, <laughs> to your point about how they move around, it's a very, like, mom putting her kid to bed vibe when they come out i mean it is that in the matriarchal society right you know the reverse of this sort of misogyny it would be that is it that far fucking i gotta yeah i'm not disputing that women have been oppressed i'm just saying is it like like a a little girl and a i mean think of james bond saying uh man talk and slapping a girl in the ass it's funny because that was the example in my head that would fit into that but i don't know if that's a standard thing that's fucking james bond and that's not even later bond that's sean connery bond yeah but that is society and what society was for you know all right no one blinked at that no do you sleep with them both of course don't you you sleep with your males no i don't have any males not at the moment, anyway. I like that Kira gets defensive about useful. it and has to cover her tracks when she yes, sees the look I on her face. I can imagine they are. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm dated. I I'm not completely alone. Uh, come on. We found I... some of your ships. Several hundred screens should be arriving at the station today. We thought it would be a good idea if you were there to greet them. Why me? You yourself said most of your leaders were dead. Yes, that, that's true, but Kira, I, I'm just a farmer. And you also were the first one through the eye of I'm the universe. I'm but a that's simple mean farmer. Something. I don't know about Some your symbolic diplomacy sort of... and your space stations. She probably, you know, honestly, they probably could have made that part of Bajor very fertile. I, I think that's the point of the show. But instead, they got to they gotta bust these these migrants. They gotta send them in runabouts over to Los Angeles and New York. You know, <laughs> is that what the Fuck plan in. was? This is big old Texas Deep Space Nine. <laughs> oh, you mean she wants to be build a that shield? <gasps> hey, who's that? I don't know. What's he doing? Oh, that's disgusting. He must be one of those screens. My dad says there's a lot more on the way. Hi. Okay. Doesn't he know what a replicator's for? So here's where you get into a weird area, because I I like how they built it with this refugee theme, as I've said. Um, And I think they landed it well. But this raises a lot of my questions that I often have, and I think you point out, too. Um, with like their warp capable, they lo- know what they're looking for. They've survived in deep space, but they don't know even after they, even after the universal translator solves the language problems, they don't know how to talk to somebody and get food or, or use the replicator or. 
you know, because it's one of the kids, it could be, uh, he could A, not have listened, uh-huh, uh-huh. B, be shy about asking, right, and C, just be hungry. That's but fair. However, together. that does go back to the thing of when they go into the store and they're like, what are these elements? What are these items? I mean, they might not have stores. Mm-hmm. These farm folk. Yeah, it's just always, it's going all the way back to the Irish episode. It's weird when you have people that are very primitive, but also are flying around in space. See, look at her skin. Terrible. These guys are are quintessential space uggos. They're in that category. It's all right. You're among friends. The hair, too. Don't be afraid. The hair category. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, like, I mean, if I was less Lando, I would have been like, you just came off a spaceship. You're fine seeing a space station. (laughs) (laughs) Relax. (laughs) Oh, my God. No. No, you just came off a warp-capable spaceship. (laughs) It's it's metal. These walls are metal. Yes, of course it's metal. Your ship's made of metal. Look, people are wearing clothes. (laughs) Technologically, you're the same. Their hats are different than our hats. Um, it's just a great time over here, and then they get a fight. You know there's no running on the promenade. Who's running? What seems to be the problem here? What's that smell? By the way, that seems crazy to me. There's got to be a there's got to be a ring of of the station where you could jog. Oh, you got to be able to go for a run. Good I assume point. the promenade would have that. Like a yeah. Maybe it's like you know they have certain hours where running's okay. Is there an outer? <laughs> there's an outer circle, right? The habitat ring, yeah. But that's not what they're in. Right. I think they're in the central promenade. I think the promenade's in the middle. I don't really know the layout of G-Space 9 as well as the Enterprise, actually. Mm. But I assume they're in the central spire. Right. (laughs) Yeah, they are, because you can see the pylons out the window. Right. Yeah. So maybe the jogging is around the outer (laughs) edge. God, that's so big, though. I don't want to jog that far. <laughs> you don't have to do the whole. If you commit circuit. to that, if you commit to that, you're done. It's a circle. You got to go the whole way around. Why don't can't you go? Because once the you middle? get more than halfway, it's like fuck. I guess I gotta just go back to my room because that's gonna be shorter now. But can't you walk down, take the turbo lift, like half uh, just after one quarter of it, and then just go down the middle, go down the pylon? Is that where the pylon's the outer part? If you want to get in a, in a, in a terrible left all stinky <laughs> speaking of stinkies very amusing thank you for bringing this to my attention I'll take care of it from here <laughs> so, this isn't over yet big ears surprised uh, 
Nog wasn't into it when he grabbed his uh, lobe. <sighs> Gross. Well, you know, there's another moment in the in the show where Nog kind of touches his own lobe, and uh, this raises the question for me: When uh, Frankie touches his own lobe in public, isn't that masturbation? Public God. masturbation. Why do I host this podcast with you? Andy's There's got to be someone else out here. Andy's theories. <laughs> Is there anybody else who'd like to host the show with me? <laughs> Let me know. That I feel secure about. Hey, nobody else is jumping on this burning ship. What kind of name is Plix Tixaplik? I believe he's a Regrunion. Now, my first thought was that sounds very yeah, yeah, and apparently it is intentionally a reference. Why would why wouldn't you why wouldn't you make that reference? I think they should have given that guy powers. (laughs) Wanted in seven star systems for illegal weapon sales for hilarious mischief, huh? Very profitable. How would you know about that? Uh, my Uncle Quark told me. And what would your Uncle Quark know about illegal weapon sales? Oh, he, uh, he, he, uh... Knows better than to ever get involved in anything so disreputable. I'm sure. I asked that the boy's father come to see me. Rom is doing the weekly stock inventory. I don't want to interrupt him. You know how easy he loses count, so... I can't place. Nog, have you been causing mischief again? Uh, no, Uncle. It's all a misunderstanding. He sprayed several Screen boys with a foul-smelling vapor. Did he? <laughs> well what do you have to say for yourself? I'm sorry? See, the boy's beside himself with guilt. <laughs> that doesn't excuse his actions. And he will be punished severely. I will? I want you to tell the constable here... That you will never do it again. I won't? I, I mean, I won't. I promise. Never again. See that you don't. Can I leave now? Go on. <laughs> They're very well played, you know, team. You really can't blame the boy. And why is that? Oh, come on, Odo. You know, these screens are nothing but trouble. They're all over the station, looking and touching, never buying anything. And they flake. I didn't notice. Come to my place, you'll see little pieces of screen skin all over the bar and the floor. It's disgusting. I mean, they that won't be here great. long. I hope not. They're driving my paying customers away. They stay here too long and I'll be out of business. In that case, I hope they never leave. Odo seems shiny in this scene. They're just zinging each other left and right over here. This is a zing-along gang, you know? I love me some Odo and uh, Quark. Uh, Nog is great, too, in this scene, and I love the multi-layers of uh, that he's apologizing. He's trying to pretend, you know, to Odo. Odo is not buying it. Nog is confused about which side he's even supposed to be playing. It's a really well-played scene overall. Side note. I feel like in between this and the last time we saw Nog, he has sprouted a lot. You don't want us here. You don't want anything to do with us. But we don't want anything to do with you. Any of you. Ha! Come on, acne faces. We're out of here. I can see that screens don't bother to teach their children manners. Jackson, I've been. Um, 
Yeah, they're doing a really effective job of the of the tale of the refugee. They are in D Space Nine. Uh, people just referring to them as you know, just generalizing the group of Screens and saying it with such distaste. Yeah, yeah. I I think it really is effective, and they as they got more into this this episode, you really start to feel for these people, which is the effective take. Um, and I think it's just their handling of making them primitive and then making them so evolved at the end that I'm and a long road. It's near- that I think is a little bit clunky. But they're not primitive. That's they're acting I mean. like the act. The, the, again, I think it's like it's just acting choices and directing choices. Right, directing choices. I think the uh, Hanik, the main lady, I think she does a good job. Of she's just yeah, panicked yeah. at the beginning, and then when she learns the language and calms down, then she is yeah, more her true self. And... I think it's our best bet. We have that whole new solar system. You know, that guy last week killed himself to make one. We could put him there. With that super power source. <laughs> hey, you could boil the oceans in five seconds. May we come in? Of course. Me and the other Danny Elfmans are just meeting in here. We're discussing whether to continue to dye our hair as we get older or to let it go naturally gray. Like Susan over here. (laughs) Forgive them, Commander Sisko. They don't mean any disrespect. I understand. We have some Maybe that's why they, they like we Kira. She's sort should. of a, a junior version of that. Yeah, she doesn't quite have the height, but you know, no, color is shaped. She not, doesn't have as much product. One it's much more cute. Excellent but, potential uh, for resettlement. We appreciate all your hard work, but I'm afraid it was unnecessary. You see, we found Kentana. You did. A planet of sorrow, Kira. Don't you see? Kentana is your planet. Kentana is Bajor. Not in my backyard! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and you know, Kira fucking clings to it right to the end. Clings to what? Well, I don't know, we can go through it naturally, but they, but they, they make their argument. The woman says, I disagree. We can make turn the plane into all this stuff. Bejor is like, nah, fuck you. You can't really do it. We don't believe it. You're primitives. Kira goes to apologize, and, and Hanik is like, I don't really buy it. And then she eventually accepts it. I'm not it's not really clear why after the kid dies. And then um and sort of like, all right, well, let's move on. We'll go and it's like and the woman's like, You made a mistake. And and Kira is still like banging the drum of like uh, it's still for the best it's for the best you guys are going to the right place at the very end well I mean that's why they seeded it earlier that she's having so much trouble with the provisional government that she has other things on her plate that are affecting her yeah and like they can't get their shit together on Bajor for themselves yet they don't even know what the how the fuck to get through bureaucracy to bureaucratic red tape to like Get shit going on Bajor. You know what? That's a really As, great, you know, 
that's a great point, Matt, and that that really that actually does explain my question of like why that part at the beginning felt like why are we spending time on this? That's the reason we're spending time on it. Is it mm-hmm. because it it uh, it sets up what goes into Kira kind of being on the wrong side of it later? If I may have a moment. I'm sorry, Verani. I'm on my way to a meeting. I know with Minister Rosan and Vedek Sarad. I presume Hanik will be there as well. That's right. Please tell her that my heart goes out to her and her people. I'm feeling tell a real her vibe between us. Bajorans everywhere regret having to refuse their request. Aren't you being a little premature? Am I? You know what the provisional government's answer is going to be. These are people who have lost everything, Barani. I know, and I wish there was some way we could help them. But Bajor is in shambles, Kira. You know that as well as I do. Yes, that's the reason he's in there, but he's definitely just a an unnecessary First piece. of all, I want you all to know that the provisional government has taken the Screen's request for immigration very seriously. The debate in the Chamber of Ministers became quite heated at times. Though I suppose you could say that about all of our debates. But We're a real mess. Was reached. Yes. I was sent here to tell you that the ministers, in accord with the Vedic Assembly, have decided to deny the Screen's request. I am sorry. Bajor simply cannot absorb three million refugees at this time. After what the Cardassians did to our planet, we can barely take care of our own. But no one is asking you to take care of us. This decision is not based strictly on Bajoran self-interest. Such a huge increase in population would prove to be tragic to your people as well as ours. But Bajor has more than enough room for us. The plains of the Northwest Peninsula are practically uninhabited. The land's ideal for farming. It used to be, before the Cardassians got their hands on it. Minister Rosan, the Scria are farmers. Just give us the land. I guarantee you we can make it thrive again. Under ideal circumstances, perhaps you could. But what if the circumstances aren't ideal? What if we go through another long winter? What if your crops fail? What if the famine that has been plaguing Bajor continues to spread? What then? We are willing to take that risk. I'm afraid we aren't. We ran a series of projections to see whether a Screen settlement could survive on the Northwest Peninsula. The results were not encouraging. Hanik, I think you should seriously consider Traylon II as an alternate to Bajor. The winters are mild. There's plenty of good farmland. No. Projections can be wrong. But what if they're not? What is Bajor to do if your people start dying? I thought I made that clear. We are not expecting your help. Do you really Plus, think we we'll could bury ourselves in the nothing? dirt? It'll start to grow more plants and stuff. We would feel <laughs> obligated to help. With food, with clothing, with whatever it would take. And where would that aid come from? Our resources are already depleted. To help you would mean depriving our own people. I am afraid the decision... your classic, like, why are we giving all this mama to the Ukraine when we can't even mama? <laughs> yeah. It's, it does a really good job of of representing uh, the other side. We <laughs> can't help the blobbity blahs. We got to look at our blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we can't even feed our blah, blah, blah. Us Cantana. But it's not. There's still Trelon 2. 
fucking it really feels like cisco is getting like 20 percent of the draylon 2 sale price <laughs> Let's i really think draylon this is, two. look you could go there i would i'd be happy to fund if you want to open some condos there i could throw in draylon one <laughs> cake dikeberry tort is really good is that bigger troll really your friend yeah he's an idiot you're not the first to say that but he's not such a bad guy once you get to know him I don't plan on being around here that long. <laughs> My dad says you're probably going to Draylon too. Does he? Yeah, sounds like a nice place. Do you want to move there? No. Neither do I. Come in. Unique. Thing I don't understand is why you pretended to be my friend. I the Universal Translator is fucking fantastic at putting emphasis on syllables based on the emotional presence of the people talking. So, like pretended. Yeah, it's like well, these people, neither of them are speaking English right now. Right. The Universal Translator is just like, okay, I think you want to hit pretending, so that's what you're gonna do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as soon as as soon as the uh, Universal Translator Gremlins cracked it, they're like they're fucking in it. They're just like, oh man, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put a little. They're maestros. They're little language maestros. This, I'm gonna do this. They're not responding, sir. What if Plix Plix sounds like Mitzel? With all the traffic around the station, Tumac and two of his friends were able to slip away. We didn't even know the ship was gone until the Bajorans contacted us. I need nothing. This kid who didn't know what a fucking item in a store was an hour ago suddenly he's like fucking stealing a starship. He didn't steal it. It's their ship. Nonetheless. He just left the station. Ready. Tumak? Listen to me. It's Danny Elfman. Your ship's in danger. Have him turn off his engines and drift. Weird. <laughs> Tumak, turn off your engines. You, you must turn your engines off now. He's not responding. Tumak, this is serious. Your life is in danger. The others who are with you, their lives are in danger. Please, answer me. Science, science. That's what she's saying. What if that's that's it? They translated Oingo Boingo songs into speech patterns. It's an emergency. Anyway, they try to get... This is your classic refugee overcrowded fucking any vessel, you know? Yeah. Uh, Really uh, effective, I think. I agree. I mean, this episode might be better than I thought it was. I kind of that I knew as soon as I said it that it was going to be. I think I called I it didn't that. even think we hit it. The phaser beam must have ignited the radiation leak. I'm very sorry, Commander. We all are, General. General Ding Dong. Now that to me. So he calls up the general. He's like, I'm going to call in a favor. We're going to step the whatever. To save a buttload on car insurance. Yeah, so he calls the general. 
<laughs> um, it seems like they don't. Maybe I'm misunderstanding. It seems like they don't fire on the ship. They fire on the ship a little bit, but they don't really fire on the ship until the kid starts firing on them. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, "Well, what do you want us to do?" We they fire a little bit, and then it blows up, and so there's a technical reason. And then the guys and the the general whose whose defenses were just attacked is he still has the presence of mind to be like, "I'm very sorry," like in a sincere way. And Cisco's like, "We're all sorry," like kind of sticking it back in his face, and it's like he he, he kind of did the only thing he could do. <laughs> Might have been the Universal Translator. Oh yeah, maybe the Universal Translator. You know what I mean? So maybe for both of them, maybe they're leaning yeah. on. I think this commit this guy, this general is very sorry. I don't know if he's that <laughs> sorry. No, he's very sorry. And I think that Cisco is not. He's really doesn't buy it. <laughs> In reality, the general's like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Cisco is like, I appreciate that. Thank you. We all are, General. Stop by to wish you luck, Andre Lanto. Anik, I still believe this is the best choice for Bajor and for you. You still believe we would have been a burden to your people? Yes. I think you've made a terrible mistake. All of you. Maybe we could have helped you. Maybe we could have helped each other. The Screens are farmers, Kira. You have a famine on your planet. Perhaps we could have made that peninsula bloom again. That's the other reason they put the stuff. We'll never know, will we? Fifty years of Cardassian rule have made you all frightened and suspicious. I feel sorry for you. You were right. Bejor is not Kentana. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, I said I'm first. So. Um. 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 Mm. In a few seconds, right there. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was... Uh, here's, here's the thing. I think I often ask questions in the direction of what, is, what did they want the show to be telling us? Like, what did the writers want? What is the perspective of the show? And this is an example of where I think they were very clear with what the show's... Like, this issue of can they or can they not do what they're saying to uh, do what they're saying in terms of farming and I think the show is clearly by the tone of that last scene and the confidence with which Hanik is speaking to Kira is telling us they could and the Bajorans blew it there is no other extraneous information and often I'm saying well I would like for them to have communicated whether for instance she's telling the she's she's speaking with accuracy about what the future would have held or not in this case tonally you do not need that because it's very clear that what she is saying is true um and that is the perspective of the show and often i think it is muddy Mm -hmm. and i think this is this is what just for the future this is what i'm talking about uh 
Okay. Am I making Understood, sense? Understood, I think. Yes. Thank you. Will it be Cisco, Dax, or Kira Reese? It can't be Worf until season four, but there's a Brian, Bashir, and even Quark. And don't forget about Aldo and Borg. What is non-MVC? Kira. It's going to be a tough one. Because Kira's sort of on the wrong side at the end, even though she does all this stuff to acclimate them to DS9. Um, FYI, Kira says disengage twice at around forty-one twenty-one. Wow, she probably was doing our catchphrase like a little inside nice thing, part. you know. Uh, I mean, Kira is both valuable and least valuable all at the same time. Odo catches. Nog, but doesn't really do anything. I guess he stops an outright, you know, the fight from escalating. But oh no, wait, does he? Or is that somebody else? What did you, you say? Who stops the fight from escalating? Odo what? stops them from running around and chasing Nog. Yeah, Odo does some good constable. Who stops sure. them from beating Nog up? Is that, is that Odo? Quark. Uh, Quark. Quark so. Yeah. I don't know. Who's the most valuable? It's O'Brien for beaming them out in the first place. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Is it Bashir for healing them? Is it who's the person that finds it? Is no, it Dax for finding them the new planet that they didn't want to go to? <laughs> I think Dax. No, because they don't want to go there. Uh-huh. I mean, strictest rules of the valuable crew member, it's oh, it's O'Brien. Because he saved their lives. All yeah. right. Um, so yeah, even even like when, uh, when um, Cisco tries to save the kid, he doesn't succeed. So. Mm. Wild. How many Andy's does this episode get? It's a very tough one. I mean, it's not exactly like an endlessly rewatchable romp. Right. But it's effective at what it yeah, does. It's very effective, I would say. So, that said, I'll give it a six. Thusly sticking to my between a four and a six that I said at the beginning. But isn't... Doesn't a, a six, six suggest that you want to rewatch it? I would not. Because above a five, uh, you wouldn't turn it off. I wouldn't right. turn this off. I wouldn't turn this off. Yeah. If I happen to see it, I wouldn't. I think turn I it might off. turn it off. Well, that's that's because you are tired of seeing uh, the plight of the refugee. All her pimples. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm always banging that drum. How much I don't want them in my country. Uh, and I wish somebody would. Draylon too is a liberal sanctuary city. Right <laughs> there. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Uh, I feel. I feel crappy about it. I feel like I'm. Uh, I'm 
not uh, I should say I should want to or is it that the drama should have been more effective like the point was effective the theme was effective but the drama and the story wasn't I think the drama was effective I think it was I think it was all effective I mean is that does that mean we got to give it a 10 I don't know a 10 but I feel weird about even giving it a six because it kind of was just like i didn't enjoy watching it or is it like well you, you sometimes you got to take your medicine yeah you got i think i think that's part of it you gotta you've got to take the good and take the bad you take them all in there you have the facts See, i would prefer life. to watch an episode of facts of life but maybe that's because i'm a very shallow person at any rate i'm gonna give it a five i uh i thought it was uh, many stuff many aspects of it were well done i thought the actress playing kanique was really great particularly in her speech at the end i thought the progression of the universal translator was really interesting but i wasn't sort of held in a dramatic or an entertained way other than i thought it was effective thematic storytelling or point making Hmm. um so I don't know. I I, I welcome uh, counter perspectives. I'm sure you're going to get them, and everyone tune in next week to find out what those are, or you know, in two weeks, or as they say, next month. Who knows? We're giving you two a month. Tune into the next. We guarantee you two a month. Okay. Look, there could be three someday. You well, that's never true. I'm know. just saying, bare just, minimum, because of the Patreon, you are now at two a month. So anybody who says, "Hey, it's been too long." It's always will be two a month. It, we just can't guarantee the schedule. That's right. Thank, so you. thank you. I agree. Patreon. Um, get those hails in. Um, Andy's going to start collating them immediately. <laughs> so I don't know why you're not writing it right now. You've got to figure out some way to get it um, under control. I don't know how to say no to you guys. That's my problem. I love you too much. That is, you know, I'd be fine saying yes to everyone if we had some sort of, I don't know, separate <laughs> section of the pond. Whatever it's about. It's the side of the Another thing to edit out. As Kira says, disengage.